Hi, this is Jessica Cameron, and I'm on WithoutYourHead.com. of decapitation with us right i'm nasty neil i'm joined by a uh, father corbin gene palubicki hello hey and writer and director steven byro how you doing neil i'm good thank you of uh the songs the song of solomon which i absolutely loved and not just because you guys are on i really dug the movie the first time i watched it and as, as steven mentioned on multiple viewings uh i like the movie more even more yeah, that's a that's part of the trick because uh, the movie goes actually pretty fast, mm-hmm. and the demonic possessed spits out all sorts of information that you don't know. Actually, comes around, and yeah, when you when you watch it the second time, you catch a lot of things to where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that that connects to that, that connects to this, this, that. So yeah, so I always tell people to pay attention to the dialogue of the possessed. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, yeah awesome. Uh, I'm glad you the dialogue. Yeah, I'm the, glad that you watched it between the priests and such too. With um, with each one of the successive priests in the film, the the dialogue between the the demon and the priests has something to do with each one of the characters of the priests as well. So it's not mm-hmm. just uh, the the rhetoric of, of 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 what's going on in the dialogue. It's uh, it's tied into the the characters of of each each one of the successive priests that are involved in the exorcism in the film, which mm-hmm. you pick up on that after, after seeing it once or twice or more. Yeah. And uh, even before uh, I knew that the, um, that a lot of the movie or I guess most of the movies based in, uh, in like real uh, exorcism, like I just thought the dialogue was very good. And I always think like, even if you're not aware of certain things like that, uh, it just kind of plays in your mind. It adds like some, some type of realism uh, to a movie when when it's based in some sort of uh, history. Yeah, I mean, I I was actually amazed because uh, I've watched, I've seen like every exorcism movie, right? Okay. And no one has ever pushed the fact that it's a battle between, it's a one-on-one between the priest and the demon or demons. And... If the priest loses, he doesn't exercise the woman. He actually is condemned to hell. He loses his soul right then and there. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever pushed that. Mm-hmm. Nobody has ever bothered to actually do any research on exorcisms before making an exorcism movie. That because that's like the main tenant. It's like, and no one has explored that at all. So I'm expecting once this really hits, because it comes out on the 14th that people are going to be like, oh, wait, that adds a whole other angle. We're going to do that in our movie. You know, because everybody yeah. just watches The Exorcist and mm-hmm. says, 
okay, we know everything. So uh-huh. yeah, so it's it, it was fun. It was a fun. It was fun writing it, researching it, shooting it, and now we get to see what happens as it gets out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of guilty about the exorcism thing because uh, exorcist thing because uh, I always kind of go into the exorcism movies think I'm not going to really like them because they never live mm-hmm. up to the exorcist for me. But uh, the fact that this movie I think is so different. And it does. It does, isn't just trying to recreate the uh, the Exorcist because I don't think you can really top if you try to redo the Exorcist. Uh, there's so much different things in it that uh, it's it's a great movie. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we wanted to do right. something different, you know. And I mean, it's almost as if it's like the third act of the Exorcist throughout the whole movie, really. <laughs> yeah, in a way, right. So, uh, actually, Gene, how did you get involved in the movie? I know you've worked with Stephen before. Well, I've known Stephen from back in the early 2000s when he had his uh, his video store here in Tampa called Video Mayhem. And back at that time was when um, when I when I first knew him was around the time that uh, he he'd uh, begun the Unearthed Company with the with the original original uh, guinea pig series, the Japanese film. Mm-hmm. And um, by and by. You know, he started to talk about an idea of like, oh, maybe someday I'll make my own uh, version of this series or something. Flash forward, what was it? What was it, Stephen? About 2013 or 14, when you started making announcements about the uh, American guinea pig. And I yeah, saw names that. Yeah, I saw names that were attached, um, like uh, James Van Beber, uh, Marcus Cook, and. You know, it, and it had been almost a decade since, uh, you know, since uh, some of the conversations had had happened about uh, the idea of doing something like that. So it was a good time to get back in touch with Steven again after some years of like not really being in contact. And I was like, hey, you know, that sounds really good. You know, that uh, you finally got around to be able to do that, uh, what you were talking about so many years ago. And with the names that were attached, because I was a big fan of uh, some of the stuff that uh, Jim Van Beber had done, like Debbie the Dawn, Manson Family, mm-hmm. and the, the short films. Um, so I, you know, we started chatting, and then at some point uh, in the conversations with Steven, uh, he hit me up with the idea of maybe making some kind of a a promo music video to go with some uh, uh, bonus content on the uh, the DVD. Uh, for, for the first uh, for the first of the American Guinea Pig series, so we ended up using uh, one of the songs from uh, from one of my bands called Perdition Temple, and you know, flash forward uh, going into the following year after the release, and then uh, um, talks started happening about uh, the, the the second in the series of the uh, American Guinea Pig series, which became uh, Bloodshot. Uh, we'd been chatting back and forth pretty frequently, and at some point, I don't know what the hell we did. We were at, we were out at some 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 show here in Tampa. I don't know, like a Cannibal Corp show or something. And we were on the way driving back, and he hit me up and was like, "Hey, do you want to do a spot in the Bloodshot?" I'm like, "Why not?" You know, and, and I'm, I mean, I, I guess for a lot of people, just to just to dive into it, they might. They might think, "Oh no, I'm 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 a musician. I'm not I'm not into the film thing." But I I kind of took it wholeheartedly that yeah, I'm going to try to do this because sure, I'm into music. I've been doing music professionally for twenty twenty five years now, mm-hmm. and 
the truth is, is I didn't even really start playing music or really studying it until I was in my mid-teens, probably 13 or 14 years old. But horror films, those have owned me since the time I was probably four or five years old. When I was a kid at home with my parents, seeing movies like Salem's Lot, The Exorcist, and other shit on on TV. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that stuff has been as much a part of me as any any music uh, that I've ever uh, had any influence on me also. So for taking the step into getting into the uh, film film industry activity is not that much of a stretch for me. It doesn't feel like much of a stretch for me. And um, post-Bloodshot... Um, there, you know, conversations continued and eventually it came around that there was going to be the, what was supposed to be the final guinea pig, Stephen, <laughs> which was going to be the exorcism yep. film, which was going to be the final guinea pig, which was supposed to happen at a much later time, ended up uh, happening a lot sooner because apparently some of the other projects that were going to be part of the guinea pig series kind of got sidelined. If, if I remember that information, right, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, you got you got the nail. Yeah, and and then uh, there was a while where Stephen was staying at my place here in Tampa, and he was working on the outline for what was to be this uh, exorcism guinea pig film. You know, we'd sit around and chat about ideas and such, and about characters and whatnot. And eventually, it just came uh, at some point. He's like, "Okay, uh, we've got this priest that you could do." And we talked about it, and we developed we developed the character, and, uh, and then he gave me the gig. Thank mm-hmm. you, Stephen. Huh? You're welcome. <laughs> uh, be, besides uh, besides uh, gore, I guess. Uh, what is the common uh, theme amongst the the guinea pig series? Well, it's well. That's the thing. Uh, the original Japanese guinea pigs. Uh, started off as snuff mm-hmm. and uh hidishi hino they, they did devil's experiment first then hidishi hino was on board he did flowers of flesh and blood and then he did mermaid and then there was a problem with a child murder in uh, japan and they blamed the guinea pig movies on it and so they t- took it and went into another direction and they started doing, you know, like Android in Notre Dame was a sci-fi one. He Never Dies is like the comedy one. And then they went, you know, tried to do pure comedy with Devil Doctor Woman. So there's really no theme throughout, you know, all the originals. So there's really no theme without ours. I mean, it's sort of like the Twilight Zone for, for the Gorehounds, sure. you know. So anything that we do... As long as it's extreme special effects and outrageous, uh, out, you know, something outrageous, then, then yeah, it's, uh, that's a part of the guinea pig. It's like, mm-hmm. if we make it, then it's basically, <laughs> basically outrageous visuals, outrageous, uh, outrageous, uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah, and, and, and intensity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have like a built-in audience when it's you have the American Guinea Pig series on there, and this isn't a knock on any of the other movies, but is it uh, limiting at the same time when you put out a movie that maybe uh, you'd want like maybe people outside of of your rate of your core audience to see? Yeah, that's why 
the American guinea pig name is not on the retail release of the Song of Solomon. <laughs> oh, it is? Okay. I wasn't aware of that. So. Nope. Yeah, yeah. We actually pulled the American guinea pig name off of it. So retailers and websites just know it as the Song of Solomon. But, uh, but like, you know, some people do know that it's a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. And others don't. And I, like we're pushing for Redbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we don't want that American guinea pig name on there. <laughs> sure. yeah. And we, we just got it into, uh, yeah, we just got it into Voodoo, which oh. is pretty cool because they, they're actually pretty um, pretty safe, you know, because they're owned by Walmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so it'll be available on VOD through Voodoo, and we're working on other things. Uh, hopefully it all falls into place. Yeah. Uh, I, so, yeah, I yeah, have... that's the thing. The I say I should have known that because I have the Blu-ray right here, and it does not say. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, right. I don't even have my Blu-ray yet, Stephen. I don't have shit yet. Stephen. No, where is my shit, Stephen? I, Stephen didn't send it to me. Aaron I don't have. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was MVD that sent it to you. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because MVD first... handles Arrow and. Yeah, they hand they handle us. We're actually I haven't even seen the retail versions yet. They they should be here. I'm hoping tomorrow. I was thinking they were going to be here today. All right, well, it was very cool. I watched an but, interview yeah. with, with with you on the uh, thing, and actually I was surprised because you were saying that you were uh, a Christian, and um, so uh, how how does that play with with other Christians? You making uh you know extreme horror movies? Oh, they love it. They love it because, you know, it it shows that, you know, I mean, as a Christian, you know, we're all fuck-ups, really. None of us are perfect and this and that. Mm -hmm. So me being able to show that I'm Christian and I'm doing the extreme horror, it makes a lot of people that are Christian that are in the horror feel better. They're like, oh, okay. Okay, Mm -hmm. then I'm not, you know, condemned to going to hell or something, you know? Because, uh, yeah. you know, I've written three books. Um, one was Hallucination. Uh, that was me trying to find God using massive amounts of LSD and nitrous oxide. Dealt with demons, angels, uh, trip to hell. Uh, yeah, the the book did really, really well. And uh, a lot of Christians that, that aren't even into horror read it and loved it because they're like, this this follows 100% biblical you know, biblical knowledge and wisdom. They're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And then I wrote another book called dialogue with the devil. And that was me either a, I'm talking to the devil or if it's my id, cause basically, you know, the id and the superego or are what some people call God and the devil. Uh, and yeah, so it's either I'm talking to the devil or, or demon or I'm talking to my id, <laughs> uh, but my id knows way too much, and uh, that book scares the hell of a lot of people. Uh, and then for the third, this was when I had uh, HBO is actually looking at picking up all three of my books uh, to make into a series. Mm-hmm. It would have been six seasons, and uh, the next book I was going to write about uh, the devil wanting to quit his job, so they hired somebody else. And my rep at the time is like, dude, you got to be the devil. You got to be the guy who takes over, you know, takes over the devil's job. 
So when mm-hmm. Satan Reborn, I wrote myself out like, uh, you know, I took the devil's job. <laughs> and that's what, it's, cool. a, it's a totally, that one, yeah, that one's totally fantasy. But luckily I, I have a really good uh, readership. And the people who read that, that book actually scared the hell out of them too. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm pushing the envelope and trying to make you think about your life, the question, why are you here? What is going on? This and that. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I learned a lot of things on the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, and the books do well. So yeah. So Solomon is my baby. Cause you know, it, it's, it's a Christian movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on the, on the flip side of that, do you ever get any, uh, uh, any negativity from horror fans who find out that you're, you're Christian? Nope. Nope. Not a single one. They couldn't That's care less. Right. Yeah. I, Cause I don't preach to anybody. I mean, I'll talk to anybody if they want to talk, you know, and the books are not like preachy or anything. Cause I, I've had, I've had witches read them. <laughs> I've had atheists, agnostics. I've even had people turn in, uh, you know, convert to Christianity after reading my books. So that's awesome. I think I converted a witch from what I was told. Really? That's pretty so, wild. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cuz you know, we don't burn witches anymore. <laughs> I know it's, it's a shame and I always joke. I'm like, "Dude, you ought to come to come to church on Thursday. It's Burn the Witch Thursday. It's awesome. We have a barbecue." <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So, uh Gene, what was it like uh working uh, uh along with uh, Jessica Cameron? Because there's really intense scenes between you two. Uh, there was a lot of things that I'd learned uh, while while on the set um, during the filming with with the scenes with her. Because um, I mean, let's face it. Uh, aside from the, the the smaller part that I had in Bloodshot, and now this uh, more expanded role in Song of Solomon, uh, working with some people that have had a track record of doing uh, a lot of film productions and watching the the ethic and and practices that they use to make sure that they're on point with their performances was uh, was a real revelation uh there was there, there was a lot of times during uh, between takes uh where we we you know we the cameras would roll we'd maybe film for 5 or 10 minutes just to get uh you know like a single shot and then it would be maybe another hour, sometimes a half an hour before they'd reset the cameras and the lighting and all the other shit to make sure that the, like a repeat or another take of the same shot was ready. And it wasn't like it was smoke break time or anything like that. A lot of times she, as a great example, would get on her cell phone or her laptop and she wasn't fucking around. She was... Uh, rehearsing the lines for the next take so she was constantly constantly working if she wasn't working on camera she was preparing for what she was going to do on camera for that next take that was going to be coming up uh you know a half an hour later you know Mm -hmm. so that was that was really good to to experience that with uh, with with some of the people that have uh, been involved with this stuff uh much uh much more deeply than i have at this point Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, 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 uh, it, 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 it helped me choose some of the things that I tried to do to prepare for my, for my own parts. 
there was there was a time where I must have looked like a madman uh, sitting on the porch of the cabin where uh, the principal filming was done. And I was just sitting there mumbling Latin lines to myself over and over again, probably for three or four hours straight, probably mm-hmm. only four or five lines of dialogue. But it wasn't just a matter of learning the words, but it was a matter of learning the words in a foreign language that you don't know shit about and trying mm-hmm. to be able to emote with those words and actually make it sound like something and not just mumble it. Yeah, not just reading something you remembered, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's not, a, just, yeah not, a, just, not just phonetically regurgitating the words, but to actually sure. put some oomph behind what you're doing when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a lot of things that I learned on this set that uh, whatever might come down the road next film-wise uh, is going to help me greatly. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is, is the the Latin lines actually have real meaning to them. And uh, unless somebody like actually like records them and then, you know, or somebody that speaks Latin, when they hear it, they're going to be like, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's, Hey, that's not cool. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> awesome. But Hey, <laughs> uh, that's a, that was, and, and that was, that was the fun thing, you know, cause uh, Jessica, uh, she really nailed the Latin on the head. Uh, cool thing is, is like uh, with Google, you can actually pull up Latin and it'll speak it in its exact form. Mm-hmm. So that's what, you know, so they could learn the Latin in the correct pronunciation and stuff. And uh, Jessica was a beast on set because yeah. uh, she was the lead actress and we put her through hell and back. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine because you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And at the end of the night, I've already had people say, who is cleaning up all the blood? <laughs> it was Jessica. I'm like, hey, hon, you don't have to do that. We got, you know, and no, no, no. I thought, you know, we're we're all in this together. And I'm like, oh, she's amazing. And the funny thing is, is there's a huge blood spray that's sprayed all over these bamboo curtains. And that took two days with a hose to get it cleaned off. Uh-huh. <laughs> Because we rented the, the we rented the the house through Airbnb, and it was awesome because there's a pool, there was two jacuzzis which nobody used, and there was a separate cabin where we stuck uh, Marcus Cook and Jeremy Cruz in to have their their FX workshops, uh-huh. and they were they were working consistently while we were shooting, and uh, we shot that in 17 days. And then we did two days of pickups. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for for what we did and the amount of time we did, you know, independently, you know, I, I think, you know, we did something really, really freaking cool. Yeah. When and you I couldn't have it, done it without. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't have done it without Gene, Jim, Jessica, Mark. I mean, everybody was wearing multiple hats. So yeah, it, it was just it was just a really intense it was, shoot. It was full scale guerrilla filmmaking. I mean, everybody had to throw in, you know, everywhere that they could. I mean, you couldn't just you know sit on the sideline and wait to do your thing. I mean, you had to be ready to to help out with any any one of the jobs at any time, you know. And, and you had to watch out for everybody else too, you know, you know, because because it was such a mad scramble for everyone that there's a chance that somebody might forget something. 
somebody might forget that on a previous take that a certain candle wasn't lit in a scene and <laughs> everybody's working so fast that you know you need to remember shit like that so that you can come in and be like hey wait a minute we need to do that because when the camera rolled 20 minutes ago that wasn't like that shit like that you know and it comes out you know in the desperation of a of a budgeted production like this that that everybody's got to watch each other's backs mm-hmm. i was a uh, troy's here now my co is here terrible troy yes hey terrible Hello. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> Great. Good, good, good. Really good. Yeah. Nope. Uh, I watched the movie for the first time with our, Troy's my brother, with our mom. And uh, I don't know, she actually loved the movie. And uh, I don't know how, but she like was calling the end of the movie right when we started watching it. I, I have no idea how. Oh, did she? She she knew what was going to go down. Yeah, I I I, I didn't I didn't understand wow. what she was saying at first. So then here it came at the end. I was like, well, I thought maybe she snuck a view uh, <laughs> uh, of the movie beforehand or something because I really don't know how she did that. But but uh, so our mom loved the movie as well. Oh, awesome, oh. awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a different movie. I mean, it it. It's a lot more polished than Song the first two. Solomon, an exorcism movie that's even good enough for your mom. Even your mom could come and see it. <laughs> right. Put that on well, the case or something. Our, our mom might not be the typical mom, but yeah, uh, that's yeah. true. She she usually <laughs> digs that kind of stuff. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, my mom's the one who got me into horror. Yeah, same with me. What? Yeah, when when I was four years old, <clears throat> when I put my tooth underneath the pillow for the tooth fairy, the tooth fairy would cu- would give me a rubber monster. So awesome. heck with that quarter. Yeah, that's a rubber monster is more than a quarter. Okay, so I got a rubber Frankenstein, a dragon one. So she was like egging me on because she loved horror movies. And yeah, now look at me. Oh my god! Yeah. Now, Steve, now Stephen has no teeth because when he got older, he just would rip them out to, to get some monsters. <laughs> my parents of getting some more critters. My right? parents, my parents in my hometown when I was four years old, when there was still drive-ins, had taken me yeah. to a, a drive-in screening of Texas Chainsaw. And I mean, even though since I was a little child, I probably fell asleep through half of it. I do distinctly <laughs> remember some of the scenes. Sitting in the back seat, damn near falling asleep, but I was there. I was oh, yeah. there, and it's still with me, and it's never going to be away from me. Yeah, yeah. yeah the I, drive-ins you can't beat. You, I mean, we have great like childhood memories of the drive-ins. Yeah, because Troy is older. Oh, and it was the it was the old school type too, where you just had to drive into the dirt road. Oh yeah, and uh, you know the screen in the field. You like like all the junk screens that you'll see nowadays. <laughs> it was like that, but it was still working at the time. Yeah, you know, and eventually it went to hell with all the other ones, but it was there. It was yep. there, and I mean, I guess you had to be from a certain age group to be able to actually experience any of the last gasp of that uh, that era. But is what it is. Time. Well, change. you have, Gene. You have a drive-in down on Hillsborough Avenue in Tampa. Uh, if it's still, it's still open, there. but it, but but it's yeah, but it's they just play like new first run shit. Mm-hmm. It's not like you well, yeah, you, you know, you, you're not going to get the gold stuff, no, no. Yeah, I used to, I used to live in Tampa. Now I live in LA just because the career is like popping. 
Mm-hmm. It was a rough move, you know, uh, but it's cool because out here, everybody likes to have meetings, <laughs> meetings after meetings after meetings. And, you know, I could only do so much when I was in Florida. And it's like, okay, now now's the time for, you know, because my business partner, um, he's the man who will not be named on the credits. Okay. <laughs> he's out here. And, you know, we do uh, a lot of international sales. And we're, we're also a film sales company besides Unearthed. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we've sold uh, Arrow a bunch of their titles. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, like we sold them Reanimator, Brother Animator, Society, Pills Have Eyes, Brain Damage, blah, 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 blah. I could go on. Yeah. Uh, we've sold films to everybody else. Uh, my partner's been doing this for years. And... Uh, yeah, he didn't want his name spoiled with the American Guinea Pig series. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spoil my name with it, you know. Hey, that's there we go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so terrible. Did you see Solomon? I did indeed. I, I enjoyed it. Awesome. <laughs> that's it's. It's. I, I'm just hoping you know that it grows. You know, we're pushing it to more mainstream people. Right. Just because I'm, I mean, it's, it's cause people always ask, well, what's it like? It's like, well, it's like the exorcist meets the first evil dead in a way yeah, because there's that. just all these extreme gore, you know, mm-hmm. cause evil dead was, you know, and, and people love that yep. and they love Hellraiser, the first two, we won't go into the others <laughs> <laughs> and the, you know, and you know, some, I mean, look at bad taste mm-hmm. and it's just it's just incredible to me that that Peter Jackson made that with a million and a half. What the no, hell? <laughs> but that you know that was like his roots, and it's just like I mean I I'd, I'd kill for a budget like that. But the cool thing is is if you're good friends with the effects guys, uh, yeah, yeah, you can pull a lot of stuff off. The effects yeah, I can't hurt. Yeah, the effects are great in the movie. Uh, you know, I would say especially for a low budget movie. But then some people will think that that's uh, that doesn't mean it's that great. But I think the effects would be great in any movie, really. Um, and uh, it's kind of the best of both worlds because uh, I can like a movie just for the gore and have fun with it. But it's also a good movie, right. so uh, so then you can watch it more than once. And and I think it'll appeal to to other people, like you said. Right. Yeah, that's that's the hope. I mean the hope is to continue to grow. And, you know, it's like, I mean, wait till a sacrifice hits American guinea pig sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Oh my. Okay. That goes right back to, uh, <laughs> the first three American guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause it's vicious. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's shot. Amazing. Uh, first time director, poison rouge, uh, female director in Italy. Uh, she uh, jumped on board with uh, Demiziano Cristofaro, mm-hmm. and uh, they did a, they did a gorgeous looking movie, and basically it it almost falls under he never dies theme because mm-hmm. it's just a guy in a bathroom tearing himself apart for the goddess of Ishtar, and that's the whole movie. So it's like. Yeah, I mean, Solomon's got the most story to it. Uh, have either of you guys seen Bloodshock or Bouquet? I have not. No, I haven't either. Uh, they're, they're special effects extravaganzas. 
Uh, bouquet is just really four guys pulling apart two women for the whole movie. <laughs> there's there's a story hidden in there, and usually I've had people like, "Hey, is I is this? There's a hey, there's a story in here." I'm like, "Yep," and it's like, "Okay," and this, and they they hit all the things, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's it exactly." He's like, "Holy crap!" It took me six watches to figure that out, and I'm like. <laughs> Yes, that, that's that's what I try to do as a writer is put stuff in there to where I'm not spoon feeding you. Right, right. And it makes multiple watches enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Bloodshock, it's our devil's experiment in a way to where a, a mad doctor is torturing patients in a mental institute, taking their blood while they're getting tortured. And because then it has serotonin in it, endorphins, it's it's like a concoction, and you can actually get high off the blood. And yeah, and and it's a love story. <laughs> <laughs> it it's, it becomes a love story, and you know when it happens, it just I mean we've had grown men cry uh-huh. in theaters watching it, and they're like, "What the hell, man." <laughs> <laughs> So, so it's so it's so it's an interesting series that we got going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just gotta know so what you like talked about. The Lion the... King of Gore, Neil. Oh, I, there you go. Yep. So <laughs> when you rented the the Airbnb, did they know that like uh, you were gonna make a movie there? Oh, especially. Like, oh yeah, know? no, I, I had to. Yeah, I had to pay this this woman an extra fifteen hundred bucks. Oh, okay. She's like, oh, well, you're using it for commercial reasons, and da da da. And uh, this woman, oh, she was greedy, and post. she tried blaming us that woman for, for some... Did that woman that was doing that try to pull some scam, like some insurance scam over the busted fucking toilet in that place? Yep, 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 that? yep. Septic tank. Yeah, septic tank blue. off on some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then she, then she refused to sign the location uh, agreement. Uh, then she changed it into all this craziness to where our, my lawyer's like, Hey, she agreed in the emails. So that's all that those are legal documents. <laughs> so you don't have, you don't need the location agreement. So we're like, okay. And she's like, she was telling me, Oh yeah. And let me know, you know, when you're done, because then I can promote the house, you know, that it was in this movie. And I'm like going, I don't want you to see what we did in that room. <laughs> and, and yeah, because I mean, yeah, yeah, there is blood everywhere. If what you don't see is like these giant plastic curtains that were on the ceiling and the walls, and every place you walked, you'd hear crunch, 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 sticky, 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 because the blood was everywhere. Because you know uh, blood continuity. <laughs> exactly. Right, exactly. I was, yeah. What was funny is that uh, Jeremy Cruz, he was hiding under the bed, and uh, one day he had to take three showers, three separate showers, because <laughs> he was just getting covered. And then uh, Jessica, well, you you know you've seen a movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she said she had to take six different showers just because she was so covered and it wouldn't come out of her hair. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. So so I think, 
you know, you, usually with our movies, usually every everybody ends up coated in blood, <laughs> <laughs> and massive showers are 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 needed. <laughs> right. Gene well, doesn't so have a hair problem all. anyway. To think it. <laughs> right. uh, I thought Gene. Uh, one advantage you know, I, I had. Exactly. I wouldn't know you were an inexperienced actor, actually, because uh, I thought you had you have a lot of Thanks presence a lot. Uh, on, on yeah, camera. Yeah, you're so powerful in that, you know, in in your scenes in there. Mm-hmm. Thank you. He, he, yeah, and that had a lot freeze. to do with that had to do a lot with what I was talking about watching some of the other people work on set that had some experiences that you got to take a little bit of time and in, in an actor's position. You need to take a little bit of time to think exactly what it is that the character is, and you got to get into somewhat of a mindset of what that character is going to be because it's not you. It's not. It, it ain't like I can just be myself wearing the the, the outfit, and that was going to work. There had to be a little bit of a different demeanor that wasn't me to actually be uh, the proper character for it. Some things a little bit less than me. Some things maybe a little bit over the top for me, but not entirely just me. You know, and then that working with the dialogue and such. Uh, if you think it through a little bit before you do it. You know, you, you can you can convey that, you know, and I hope I hope some of that came off. And if you guys dug it, you know, then I guess maybe it's mission complete. Oh, it definitely did. Definitely did. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, yeah, the, what, uh, what Steve was talking about that a lot of people didn't uh, never put in exorcism movies about, you know, the priest, the his soul is at stake here. Uh, you know, that really comes across with your character because uh, well, actually all the priest characters. But uh, but you. You, this really seems like you're a troubled guy in the movie, and knowing you know that that this is at stake, I think it uh, really helps sell that. Well, yeah, because it, it plays out a little bit in the in the story and in some of the dialogue and such. But I mean, the, the idea of that character is that he's coming from a really, really fucked up background. That mm-hmm. uh, you know, his his priestly activities are probably the stuff that the the church wouldn't want almost like a cia of the church type type business mm-hmm. to where it's oh, yeah, you know whole, holy missions that they don't want anybody to know about he, he's the type of guy that they send in to do that he's been in it he's been in it maybe too long he's a bit over the hill which has to do with why he might be as a character why that priest is collected to do his part in in what happens in the story. Mm-hmm. Now, I know Jessica would have had it worse with the contacts, but uh, what was it like to have the, uh, the the one contact in the black contact? Well, see, I'm really terrible with stuff like that. I mean, I, I, it was hopeless for me to try to put that contact in myself. I mean, because mm-hmm. I don't come from a goth scene or anything like that, so I don't know much about putting uh, contacts or other attachments on myself or anything like that. So I had to have some of the other girls on set help me with that, because if I tried to put that thing in my eye, I would probably just poke my own fucking eye out. So, yeah. So I chickened out. Had uh, I think it was I think it was Batania. Uh, in the film, there's a scene with the nurse. I'm sure you remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, she's the one that was able to put the contact in. And then there was some pickup shots that we did that. Uh, that my fiance Jackie, uh, she put the the contact in on uh, some pickup shots that we did later on uh, at, at Stephen's apartment. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't trying to put that thing in. I couldn't do it myself. Yeah, I, 
I didn't think the Solera contacts would be such a problem because <clears throat> I had a pair and I'd wear them to conventions and parties and orgies, you know, wherever. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, so yeah, the, the, and, and Jessica could slip hers in and out actually really quick. I mean, she never wore them before, mm-hmm. but they would go in and out. And, uh, the, the, the most problem we had with anybody with the contracts was the last priest, David McMahon. And he had the smallest ones cause they were just white out uh-huh. and I'm trying to stick them in him. And he's like, ah, you got fat fingers. I'm like, yeah, I know. Let me get those, you know? And of course, <laughs> luckily, Batania came in and get put him in for him, you know, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, his, so, his but that's, were the ones I, that, his contacts were the ones that you couldn't see out of, right? So when he had them in, oh yeah, no, he couldn't blind see. with those in. Yeah. yeah, with the one that I had, yeah. in, it was black, but it had the pinhole in it to where I could actually still see out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, the one advantage yeah. I had. I mean, it was a, I mean, it was what it was. I mean, it's part of the job, but it's just as far as that dainty yeah. shit of trying to stick a contact in my eyes because I don't wear contacts. I don't know nothing about using all that saline solution and all that other shit. So uh-huh. I was just horrible with it, and I didn't want to, like, poke my eye out, so I did it. But, you know, I, I, I can completely sympathize with anybody else on the set or any, any film that has to deal with that shit. That, yeah, it is a bit of a, it's a, bit of a, a thing to learn, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, the cool thing is the guy who actually hand-painted those contacts, mm-hmm. he's the same guy who uh, does the contacts for The Walking Dead and uh, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Oh, and wow. Oh. And he did uh he did the, the world, double right? pupil contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean we all know each other. He did the double pupil and he did a three a triple pupil and I'm like, Oh my god, that's exactly what we need for the unholy trinity. I'm like, Yeah, baby, have these ever been used? He's like, No, no one's ever used them. And I'm like boom those before. I loved them. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, boom. Nobody can use these now. <laughs> They're ours forever. And that's why, you know, we tried to get more uh, uh, camera work because I'm like, these contacts cost quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I'm like, let's milk these contacts for all we got because, you know, every minute they're on screen, I get to deduct 10 bucks. your money, though, because they were really cool. I had never seen contacts like that. Yeah, yeah, and and the shame of it is because uh, cause it's like three acts, three different priests, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, this could be considered a spoiler alert, so hold your ears, because, uh, and there's three aspects of the possessed, you know, because each act, she's possessed by another demon. Mm-hmm. So by the, the third act, she, there's three, and that's why there, she's the unholy trinity now, and that's how she could do what she did, and... uh yeah, uh, the second act, you really can't see the contacts that well because we shot in candlelight. And the beauty of it is, is our DP, Chris Saliki, he did such an amazing job lighting up the room by candles. And it gives it such an eerie feel. Mm-hmm. And originally, what we were trying to do is, you, you remember the film uh, Leonardo DiCaprio with The Revenant? Yes. Yeah. Remember how some of that camel worked? It made the woods seem like spooky times 10. Mm-hmm. 
we we wanted to have that happen whenever they would walk into the room with the possessed mm-hmm. to where the lens was just a little bit wider than normal uh but it it didn't it, you know it didn't happen but the cam work is phenomenal uh i mean it was just a two person crew uh scott allen warner uh he's he's the grip from hell and chris Haliki. uh i mean they did an amazing job I mean, it was a bare bones cast. It was, uh, it was bare bones, you know, people on set. I mean, I was the director, the second unit director. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I wore so many friggin' hats. I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> Cause I'm running around looking for the golden Bible of Antioch. Cause somebody moved it. I'm like, we need that. You know, um, well, not only I that, mean, and, not only that, but you you still had to run the company while all this was going on too. So there was a lot of times that you uh, had to not be present because you had a million other things you had to do that weren't even on the set. You know, so that that goes back well, to what I was talking about, to where everybody had to basically kind of like cover for each other and 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 get the shit done. Yeah, we we were a very tired, exasperated, yet happy and thrilled cast and crew because while we were shooting it when uh jessica was vomiting out her guts uh-huh. and we're watching it on the monitors uh-huh. and we're just like oh my goodness they're like oh oh wow this is this is working oh my goodness <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah so it was so it's really cool. It's got, it's got, you know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really happy. Yeah. Does it, does anyone or even yourself think, uh, at some point, the to, to cut that scene down? Cause it does go a long time, but in my opinion, it totally works for the movie, but I can see it. Some people think, Oh, you know, you know, it doesn't need to go on quite as long as it does. Yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, Sergeant Spasajevic, the director of a Serbian film, right. Mm-hmm. I gave him a copy mm-hmm. and he watched it. And then next time we were hanging out, smoking cigars, drinking Jägermeister, he's like, so I watched your movie. I'm like, what'd you think? He's like, it's better than Blade Runner 2049. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, it's, that's all pretty and stuff. But he's like, I was watching it. And when Jessica starts vomiting, he's like, he's like this is how he, said, he put, put it. He's like, I'm watching it. And I'm like, ah, okay. And then he's like, ah, this, uh, it's going on a little bit too long. Oh, wait. Oh, hey, wait a minute. Ah, it is going on to Ah, yes, yes. And he said he stood up and he was like, bravo, bravo, Steve Mayo. <laughs> yeah, that was and the, the funny thing is, scene, I think. yeah, I, I figured the end is what would get people because that's like our, our chase scene, mm-hmm. <laughs> our action-packed chase scene at the end. You know, and the, the, you know, the, the middle, that's our, like, you know, the loop-de-loop. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you look at it like a roller coaster, it's like goes spins and turns and starts doing the loops. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the vomit scene is uncomfortable for some people, and that's awesome. Yeah. And others, I mean, well, you know, because I've been, I've been doing the film festival circuit for a while, and the, we had a premiere here in L.A. with it. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God. It was a packed premiere, and the people got everything. They were laughing. They were 
they were clapping. They were, yeah, yeah. They were enjoying every moment. Uh, and cause I've shown it all over the place. And like in Sidges, it was dead quiet. Mm-hmm. really Catholic, really Catholic uh, country. Mm-hmm. It was dead quiet and people were afraid to look at me when they walked out. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, Texas Frightmare, people were getting the, the stuff and there is comedy hidden in there, mm-hmm. but it's for the Gorehounds. It's cool. like, you know, to where they get it. And yeah, so so it's it's always fun to hear, you know, the people cry out in joy because <laughs> because nobody's done that's the crazy thing is nobody's done a gory exorcism movie mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm, I still can't believe you know since 19 when the exorcist come out 74 73 yeah you know and, and and people have done tons of exorcism movies but no one's gone like full uh full on Mm-hmm. So, so, so I think that'll work in our favor as time goes on. I definitely agree. And uh, I real quick about Surging because I've had him on the show. As far as I know, is the only uh, podcast he's done, which is cool. But um, anyway, uh, uh, I've got like death threats actually from the interview on YouTube. People said I, uh, oh, whoever geez. likes the show, should be shot in the head. And actually, uh, recently when I was sharing your um, when you had the auction. On uh, on my group, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, w- one of the guys was in there for, for there for a long time. He was, I mean, he straight out said that I was uh, a pedophile for liking the movie, and then he ended up, you know, leaving the group and stuff. I was just like shocked that it, like anyone, especially someone who who watches movies, you know, would uh, think something like that. It's really crazy. That's uh, a fucking movie with oh yeah, no, slow the fuck up. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's what you need to tell these people, man. <laughs> Yeah, it, it. I mean, it's a phenomenal movie. Uh, we're we're doing a re-release of it. You know, uh, we're actually doing doing an extended cut of it, and uh, we're working on the documentary of it. You know, because it's it's you know, it's mm-hmm. amazing film came out of nowhere. People yeah. weren't expecting it, and yeah, and oh yeah, people. I mean, that's why we got banned on eBay from the auctions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and that, that sort of sucked. Similar to the Song of Solomon, I think it's I like it better in repeat viewing because maybe for different reasons. But when I watch when I watch it the first time, you really just focus on like the crazy, shocking scenes. But then when you watch it again, you notice like it's a really well made movie, uh, really well acted, you know. And uh, there's a lot more to it than just you know the the crazy scenes. Not that they're not cool too, but <laughs> I mean, it takes that's that's the thing. I mean, I wrote it on purpose for it to be repeated mm-hmm. and, you know, repeated viewings just because that's, that's the cool part where you actually want to watch a movie, you know, twice, three times. Yeah. I remember Jim, Jim Van Beber told me he watched bouquet of guts and gore 25 times. <laughs> he put that in the interview. He put that in the interview. Right. And yeah. I've had, uh, fans and friends come back and dude, I've watched bouquet 35 times. <laughs> I'm like, Awesome. I was just say his uh, uh, Jim's uh, scene of ripping his eyes out. Well, I hate this one movie, but he is awesome. And he really uh, goes all out in, in the selling of uh, 
I want to say Scream Queen, Scream King, I guess, in uh, in the movie because he's really selling like uh, what's going on. Oh yeah, no, I mean when he he screamed, yeah, everybody just stopped in the whole house and everybody just took a step back and said, "Holy shit!" Because I've never heard Jim scream like a woman before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he didn't scream like a woman, but you yeah. know. I want to yeah. use that. I want to. My friend is supposed to make that into a, fo- a ringtone for me. I love that there's the dead priest just laying around uh, throughout the movie, too. Uh, I, I get a big kick out of that. As far as like comedy goes, for me, that works as comedy. Like later on, just seeing him there and he's like still a little bit kicking, just kind of laying in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, it's like I've I've had uh, uh, people who've seen it joke, and they're like, uh, how many dead priests can you fit in a room? I don't know. Watch the Song of Solomon. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of the... That's part of the character with the with the with the with the priest character that I play in that when you consider the fact that in the scenes that I'm in it's like I'm I'm doing the pickup on the exorcism from where the, the previous part had left off. Mm-hmm. But all this is going on with dead priests laying around on the floor around me. But yeah. the point of the character is that he's not really bothered by that. Yeah, he doesn't That's seem not really what he's got a problem with. That. The he's fact like, that a couple of priests are already wiped out is, is not uh-huh. really the relevant thing there. And that's not the urgent issue there. The idea is there that it's like that there could be something wrong with this, with this priest, that he might be more of a danger than a help. <laughs> I mean, that's the idea that's supposed to be conveyed there somewhat. At least that's what I tried to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did a great um, job, honestly. What the hell was I going to say? Um, yeah, so I mean, and then and then and then all the you know the, the work is to like is to whether or not it's like is is this priest more interested in just beating the demon, whether or not the girl is actually saved? That that was the question that's trying to be you know conveyed there in the performance and and what's going on is that this guy might might be an an adversary for the demon but whether or not the person that's uh, possessed by the demon might be in danger because of that is brought up in question that, Hey, this, this guy might not be good to put in this room, mm-hmm. you know? And I hope we pulled off some of that. Definitely. Well, definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, um, where was the, the first, uh, at the beginning of the movie with all the statues and stuff, where was the, were, were those like real statues? <sighs> Yeah, that's at a place called the Warlock Mansion. And it was a crazed artist who lived there and he built those statues and he would actually have uh, not satanic, he had pagan rituals there Mm -hmm. for rich people. You know, Uh, so a lot of rich people would go to that place and, and the place is gorgeous. And, you know, I've, I've never been there. I know they have, uh, after he died, you know, his kids got the place. And they have Halloween parties there all the time. And, uh, like, if you watch uh, the uh, the outtakes reel that's on the blue, you'll see more of the Warlock Mansion because there's a lot more statues than what we showed. And uh, we got we shot there one day, and uh, there's it's like this crazy hobbit house. And it's like, you know, you see it when the guy's walking up to the door and 
when I saw what was inside the, the house, because originally he was just going to, the, the, the two priests were going to be walking between the statues, you know, mm-hmm. and talking. But when we got there and I saw the house, I was like, oh my goodness. And I looked in the doorway and I saw that stairs that looks like something out of Salvador Dali's house. I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, my God, definitely. get the owner. I'm like, get the owner. <laughs> Do you mind if we get a quick couple of shots of a priest walking down the stairs? No, go for it. And I'm like, boom, production design. We just upped our movie by what? Something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that was great. I, and I had to, I had two copies of the exorcism book that I got from the Vatican. Wow. The girl who set up that location mm-hmm. asked for it, asked for one. I had to give it to her. <laughs> I'm like, it's just too amazing. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 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 How did yeah. you go about getting these books from the Vatican? Oh, well, I just hit up the Vatican library <laughs> and I, you know, via email and they thought I was a priest. They're like, Oh, father Byro, you know, yes, here we can, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, I thank you so much. And I'm like, hey, you know, I need to get some new clothes. And then they put me in touch with the company in Romania that makes all the Vatican uh, priest clothes. Uh-huh. So everything's 100%. <laughs> That's pretty awful. So That's pretty I was awesome. buying, yeah, I was buying the costumes from the Vatican company, you know, in Romania. <laughs> and they sent me, you know, priests. And, and like when I was buying the sashes and stuff, you know, I hit up eBay. And the other, you know, the, the, the people selling me like, Oh, thank you so much. Father Byro. You know, I, I hope you, you know, you, you're, you're blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, everybody thinks I'm a priest. Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I didn't say, hello, I am father Byro. No, he automatically <laughs> assumed because who, who would be buying legitimate stuff? Right. right. You know, it's not, and I didn't want, I've seen too many uh, movies to where it's like dime store, Halloween costume. <laughs> That's like, no, no, no. Let's let's do this real, because I want this. If we're using, we're, we're let's do this right. You know, mm-hmm. so we're indie, but we're gonna do this friggin' stuff right. Because yeah. damn it, it's it's. I want the movie to stand the test of time. You know, Did, that's that's the thing. Are you gonna send the Vatican a copy of the movie? Well, I debated on it. Um, uh, the Catholic League, the, Defama- the Catholic Defamation League. Uh, I was debating on sending, you know, stuff out. Uh, that's, that's, but that's, that's the thing. It is 100% reality in the Christian theology to where if the church could help, you know, Satan be born. <laughs> They would, because Jesus comes back. That's that's like that's like boom. It's a tenant. I mean, that's why you know the creationists are wanting uh, Israel to become the capital because that's one step closer to relations and Jesus coming back. Mm-hmm. So, so it's pretty what, heavy. What, yeah. So what was the book that you got? What was it about? Oh, it's 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 <laughs> it's actually got a. Uh, a card from the Pope in it that's signed. <laughs> it's the Exorcismus Etsiplicationibus Quibusdem. And it's 100% just the, it's just the Catholic ritual on exorcism. 
and it's in Latin. Mm-hmm. So I had it translated. And uh, yeah, that's why everything he, they're speaking is part of the ritual. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, because the, the, exorcisms do last a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't just go to a person and be like, ah, boo, 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 or, or wait, wait, what's, what's the exorcist line? Uh, oh, come on. Everybody compels, knows it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The power of Christ compels you. Yeah, the power of Christ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's in here. But yeah, that is like, it's just like, oh, okay, that's the only part of the ritual they actually used. And it's like, when I came across it, I giggled. And I was like, you guys had so much, you know, because they're talking about, you know, dragons and this and that. And it's like, I mean, because everything that just... You know, Stephen, yeah. the reason the reason why why they don't do it, and we learned it as we were trying to learn how to do it, is that it's such a fucking mouthful of stuff to remember that uh, <laughs> when you're sitting there in candlelight that. looking at black fucking pages, that you ain't going to remember <laughs> all those 19-syllable words for that shit. That's why they just say, the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> That's right. Max von Sydow was like, "I'm not remembering all that shit. Forget that." <laughs> but they, they get they get the big money. Come on, you know what the heck? <laughs> but uh, the cool thing is, is that uh, uh, the demon Jessica, she spits back lines from the Bible. Uh, most of what she says are, are are exact lines out of the Bible because she twists it around, you know. Mm-hmm. And they have bearing on what who the priests are, what they are, or what she's about to do to them. And, ah, uh, I mean, I've read the Bible three and a half times. So I wouldn't say I'm a scholar because, you know, I think you have to read it like ten times at least to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. But I've done enough research and this and that to know that I'm like, oh, she can – she the, the possessed is going to spit back lines from the Bible – that are just anybody, if, if a theologian watches this thing, mm-hmm. they're going to go nuts. You know, they're going to be like, oh, dude, really? And it's like, yes, 100%, because that's what a demon would do, would twist the words of God to fit their own needs. And, you know, I mean, she even says that. And uh, it, for me, when she says that, that's actually a rewindable moment for me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, because she says it so perfect. And I'm just like, oh, if, if Catholics watch this or some really heavy-duty Christians watch this, they're going to flip. Because, yeah, it pulls no punches on that area. And so far, it's just been horror fans. And, yeah. you know, a bunch of them, you know, they're, they're not theologians or anything. So so I'm waiting till somebody of that nature gets their hands on this. Yeah, and then uh, we're gonna see outrage. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. I say uh, a fan of our show, uh, Vic Schiavone, who uh, who does our written recaps, is a, is a you know a hardcore Christian, and, and so uh, I hope he watches this, and uh, and I'd like to see what he thinks of it. So if you listen out there, Vic. Uh, oh yeah, stuff off a copy. I was wondering. Pick this up. It'll be on video soon. (laughs) It's my Christian movie. (laughs) That's that's what I was telling some of the reps that are handling it for sales, and I'm like, guys, this is my Christian movie, and and yeah, there's no there's no curse words, and there's no boobs. Sorry, that's a spoiler. But there's no boobs, Uh so get this out and everywhere. And then they watched it. So, uh, Gene, what did you think when you saw the finished movie? 
you know, and it's all edited together. You have the music in there, the score and everything. It was, it was really cool to watch the whole thing go from the beginning of uh, rough drafts. Cause when we saw the very first, uh, like, like rough work print or whatever you want to call it, that literally had almost every bit of footage that was on hand compiled into uh, like a rough version of the movie. It had every bad take, you know, every, every missed line, every missed cue to the point where I was looking at it going that, oh my God, throw me out of this movie. I'm a fucking disaster. But then through the process <laughs> of the editing and nip and tuck and this and that, you know, and, and, and some of the pickup shots that we did to complete things, you know, I, I think it sharpened up, sharpened up really, really well, especially with the, uh, with the limitations that we had with the budgetary limitations. There's, you know, at some point you have to stop. You know, there's, there's, there's no work of art that's ever actually completed. It's only abandoned. At some point, you just have to say, okay, it's done. And then after it's done, you're finished with it. Then from there, the fans own it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I'm, I'm happy with everything that came out, every, everything that was all the work that everybody did to put into this. It, it came out uh, the very best that we could, that we could have done. Mm-hmm. And now it's for the fans to own it. And, and and now it's theirs. I know some of your music's in the movie. Uh, uh, did you did you pick? Did you, were you the one who picked what would be in it, or did you do uh, you know new things? It for was the movie? Uh, it was a cocktail of people uh, involved with the music. There was some that I did. Uh, there was somebody that had worked on, I believe, both of the previous uh, um, Guinea American Guinea Pigs, someone named Christian Day. Day, yeah, Christian Day. Uh, also, um, uh, another musician, uh, uh, Jimmy Screamer Claus, and then, uh, one of the other actors, uh, the, the other priest that, uh, uh, uh performed alongside of, uh, Jim Van Bember, uh, Scott Gabby. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think even his, I think even his girlfriend, Batanya might've done something too, maybe. Well, they, they were know. supposed to, they were but trying to get, the they were trying to get some yeah, yeah, it was four different four different uh, music musicians. And the, the thing most is, prominent I've had, thing of mine is that music at the end of the film. That's the one that that jumps out most clearly of uh, of, of any of my contributions. I don't know it was the the closing credit track or whatever. But there's there's other little bits that are spread out throughout there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've had other uh, reviewers and other people uh, ask, they're like, "Who did your music?" And I'm like, "These four four guys." They're like. But what four different guys? It all just blends seamlessly. I didn't even think that it would be that many different people. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. you know, we're, we're indie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it also lend, it lended to the variation of what you get. I mean, if it would have been any just one of us that would have done it, sure, it might have been good work. But we get a lot of variation with the soundtrack elements and the effect that comes from the soundtrack by the fact there was four different minds involved doing it. And a lot of the stuff we all did independently from each other. So we all had our own unique takes on what we thought was going to be something that would uh, enhance the film in some way. So when it all came together and it was all edited together, you know, you, you get a bit of a more unique trip out of uh, the soundtrack element that you might not have gotten from a, from a single composer doing the entirety. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So did, yeah. Did you did you just get lucky with the lizard, or did someone up uh, throw a lizard on one of the statues? 
Oh yeah, you saw that. That was luck. No, no, yeah, that was a awesome. CGI lizard. That was that was half our budget. <laughs> well, I didn't think CGI. No, the lizard. There, but it's pretty sweet that he just kind of crawls by. The lizard comes right up as soon as they mention the demon's name. You know, they're like, "What's the demon's name?" The lizard comes right up. Boop. And the peacocks. There are peacocks floating around there. I'm like, we got to make sure we get a peacock in the shot. And lo and behold, the peacock walked right into the shot when, you know, the two priests are talking. I'm like, yes, it looks like our budget just went higher. <laughs> oh, we had animal trainers for Blizzard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah there, there was, we, yeah, the Lizard Wrangler, the Peacock Wrangler, you know, I mean, I mean, we, we got, we got lucky and stuff. Actually the, uh, the family therapy scene, mm -hmm. I was talking with Jessica and the script actually is missing that. And she's like, Hey, you know, I think we should have something here to tie this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Family therapy thing. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, but where are we going to find an actor to apply the therapist? And that's Scott Allen Warner, our grip from hell. He's like, Oh, I act. And we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, here's my reel and here's my website and pulled it up. And I'm like, bam, okay, you're the family therapist. So I wrote out that family therapy scene within half an hour. Oh, wow. Jessica was actually like, oh, holy shit. I'm like, yeah, no, this is going to flesh out everything. Fucking Tower of Babel, fucking da-da-da. You're da 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 And yeah, it's just amazing. And so we shot director, that, like, right there on the cuff. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So so we shot that, you know, and, oh, yeah, no, that makes, that, that gives it a punch. And, you know, I'm really glad that Jessica brought that up to me. And, uh, yeah, I was amazed that uh, I came up with all that right on the end. But that's what helps having a nice, uh, you know, studying Christianity and knowing mm -hmm you know, the history and the stories and stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah. So yeah, but that's, and that's where your mom, that's where your mom figured out the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but, or how, but she did. It's very, it's very weird. <laughs> so how about Jessica herself? Did you know her before the movie? How did, how did she get involved? Jessica, I met, I've heard, I've heard of her before and I was at a horror convention and we were on a movie panel and it was sort of funny because everybody took up all the seats and I get there. So the, the, all there was was this merry-go-round horse. So I grab the merry-go-round horse and I straddle it and I'm like right in the middle of everybody. And then people, you know, are talking about the movie business and stuff. And I'm like, don't make movies. You're going to lose your ass. 95% of all movies lose their budget, their tax write-offs. And I just go on, you know, cause you know, I'm a distributor and do international. I do all this stuff. So, so she's sitting there listening to me. And after the panel, she comes up to my table and she's like, so who are you? <laughs> so she sat there and picked my brains for three hours and she told me what she does and stuff. And then, you know, we stayed in contact. And then when I was searching for my Mary, <laughs> she's like, Oh, let me try. And I'm like, here's here, try this out. Cause I had a lot of actresses, um, missed the point. You know, they didn't understand that 
the demon has been around since the beginning of time, knows all of the future, knows all of the past. And I had indie actresses actually bow out, say, yeah, I read the script and there's no way I can do that much gore. I can't, you know, there's, you know, she's like, I'm fine with 90%, but you know, and, and Jessica's mm -hmm. like, hell no, cover me, do what you want. I'm going to nail this role. And then when she tried out for it, I was like, oh, wow, you knew exactly what I was going for. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, she was, she was amazing on set. It was funny because people were upset at her because she always was looking at her phone. No, no, people didn't realize that she was actually studying the script because oh. her dialogue is really heavy, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and it's only, you know, afterwards and people are like, Oh, okay. That's what they're like. Oh, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And I'm like, no, dude, this, her lines are like tantamount to the character. And if she doesn't pull it off, then the movie's flat, mm -hmm. you know, cause I've seen a couple of exorcism movies and, yeah, the 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 possessed are really not that eloquent. <laughs> right. But how you're talking to a demon, beginning of time, <laughs> end of time, you know, yeah, no, of course they're going to be eloquent and they're going to know Bible scripture back and backwards and forwards and they're going to be able to, you know, look into the hearts of men and tell them exactly what, you know, blah blah blah. So yeah, yeah. so I am thrilled with what she did. She I mean, was great in the movie. Yeah. I honestly thought it was her best uh, performance. And I like that. That was uh, exactly does... what I thought, too, Neil. Yeah, and I thought she did a really good job of playing yeah. uh, the demon uh, differently as the movie went on in all three acts, as you said. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, because that was the thing. Yeah, and, and the thing is, when, when, we were, when we were editing the movie, the hard part was the voices. Because, you know, uh, my guy's like, oh, hey, here take a look at this voice and it sounded exactly like the evil dead. I'm like, dude, we can't do that. <laughs> okay. And, and then, you know, looking at all the other possession movies, they sound computer robotic in a way, you know? And I'm like, no, we got to do this. I'm like, okay, well, three acts, three, you know, demons pairing up in her. I'm like, let's, let's go back to the simple ways and record all of her dialogue and double it up so it seems off. I mean, what did you guys think of that? Um, I didn't know that's what you did, but I do like the voice in the movie. And I know exactly what you said because, uh, mm -hmm. like, it's awesome in Evil Dead. But but then when you see it in other movies, it's like it, it gets kind of it's kind of cliche or kind of lame to, to to have that. It's it's like the demon voice, you know, that, that you hear in everything. Yeah, I mean those so to have something those different. Those kind of those kind of a vocal effects yeah. like you'd have back in the original Evil Dead. I mean, they were kind of state-of-the-art back in, what, 1978 or 79? Or <laughs> or yeah. You know, and, and, and a lot of uh, music music groups, heavy metal bands and such have used that where there's the pitch-affected pitch uh, voices to where it makes that kind of stacked stacked vocal effect and everybody's heard it so often that they've just become accustomed to it and it, it's just very generic so it was really cool to have um, you know that layered voice where it was uh organic uh just a just a stacking of the natural voice several times over 
and um, building up like that. So you actually get like more of a disjointed element, but it's all coming from the natural sound of a voice and combination of voices at a different natural pitch without any of that kind of uh, uh, digital uh, tinkering. Oh, yeah. Well, Almost like, like said, yeah, it was I, so subtle that I didn't even notice it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just something uh, she had done. I didn't even devil, realize the it. The devil, that's because the devil is in the details. Exactly. Right You're very I like good. I'm it. impressed. Yeah, and, it, almost, and the funny thing is, 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 is that at the third act, mm-hmm. uh, there's a three voices. The third one is me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no okay. Marcus is like, hey, yeah, Ma- yeah. Marcus is like Marcus Cook, uh, autopsy director of 100 Tears. He's like, hey, dude, you need to be the third voice in the third act. And I'm like, I don't know, you know. And and I told Jessica, and she's like, no, no, no. She's like, no, it's But we did it. And the thing is, my voice only comes in here, or there, because it's like I'm the last of the unholy trinity. So there's only, like, I only, like, when something's said that's, like, needed punch, then you can hear me. <laughs> but I think it sounds great just because there's multiples in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really oh, thrilled right. with that. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. This, uh, again, I know we talked about the effects, but the practical effects are just so so, so great in the movie. And, uh, you know, a CG blood, uh, there's some stuff that's whatever, but, like, blood and fire. That's stuff that's he, that always really ruins the movie, but uh, seeing the actual practical effects is a lot of fun. And gross, too. Yeah. Well, that's what... I mean, you know, we, I love practical. I don't want to do CGI. I mean, if if I end up moving up the ladder and doing a Doctor Strange movie, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, right. you know, for the most part, you know, uh, practical effects have a weight to them. They have, they're in the same room. There's nothing that that it's it's there. So you can see that. Yes, you you can see, you know, that it's, you know, practical effects, but that's some of the beauty of it. And that's why, you know, I mean, originally uh, I wanted to push, you know, it's like 100% real exorcism rituals and 100% practical effects because, uh, that one movie Harbinger Down, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and they were pushing it's it on hard on Indiegogo, and they got like a quarter of a mil, but you know they they needed people to give them another million to mm-hmm. do it, and then they found out that the Indiegogo thing is a pain in the ass because all the perks and all that stuff. Right. And yeah, and then they made the movie, and it's like, meh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Lance Hendricks. I mean, I would love to have a budget to put Lance Hendrickson as a priest, you know. Yeah, yeah, I would, you know, this and that. But we're indie, and you know, we do. I mean, yeah, yeah. If you knew the budget on Solomon, you'd be like, oh, holy crap! Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I know, I know, Kevin Smith. Yeah. yeah. No, so I saw a, a recent independent movie with Lance Henriksen in, and they really, uh, I won't say the movie because I did like it, but they really uh, like pushed that Lance Henriksen was in it. And he's in it for maybe like uh, 30 seconds, and he's like on a phone somewhere that's not even where anything else that the movie's taking place. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, uh, it did kind of Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. I've heard that. 
Yeah, I've heard that a couple times. Actually, I was at a, a house core. We were showing Bloodshock. And Bill Mosley, my table is next to Bill Mosley. And Bill Mosley comes over and, you know, he introduced, he introduced Headless. And then he, he, you know, he knew he was supposed to introduce Bloodshock, but I don't know what happened. But he watched the movies and he's just pissed off. He's like, what the hell? You guys are making these type of movies for that kind of budget. How the hell am I supposed to make a living and doing acting? And da 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 boo ba da ba dee ba doo ba doo. And I'm just like, oh, dude. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you got to change with the times and, you know, with the, the amount of technology that's available at our fingertips and this and that, you know, we can pull yeah, off boy, stuff. I mean, boy needs to do a boy needs to adapt to survive or just get the fuck out. No, he's doing, he's doing great doing the cons all the time. I mean, he's at every con, you know, yeah. and you know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's a great, that's a great paycheck, you know, and mm-hmm. just like work for the weekend. And so you can sit around. And, you know, and then he gets a, a real, you know, a zombie movie. And then yeah. suddenly, boom, that's a damn good paycheck, you know. And he's chugs, he chugs stuff out every two or three, four years or whatever, you know. I mean, they're making uh, um, uh, Devil's Rejects sequel now. Yeah. And uh, it's got, it's got uh, our boy Bill Oberst Jr. in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in a movie oh, called Dis that, that we're putting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, we're putting out a movie called Dis that he stars in and uh it's really extreme film yeah really extreme film gorgeously shot you know uh uh actually high budget for independent um so yeah so we're we're going to be announcing that with the uh the red band trailer suit <laughs> <Very cool. laughs> uh, yeah we got so many movies we're going to be announcing uh soon it's gonna it's gonna be this is going to be a fun year for unearth Cool. And uh, Unearth we, Films, where, yeah. where can you find Unearth Films for people who are unaware? I guess you can just Google it now that you said it. But Oh, yeah. Unearth Films, unearthfilms.com, facebook.com slash Unearth Films. I mean, we're Twitter, Instagram. Our mm-hmm. Tumblr, uh, I mean, you know, the social media thing. Yeah. Uh, thank God I, I have, a, I have a, a media specialist who helps me out, uh, Susie Ayala. Uh, she's wonderful. She helps me with all that stuff. And even Gene helps out here because he's amazing, too. Yeah, I was going to say, Jessica really put, put Gene over on the Blu-ray, saying that he was really good at, uh, at social media. That she was impressed by his social, social media skills. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think she, yeah, she was bitching about actors who don't follow through on promoting their own work. Mm-hmm. And it's like nowadays, because so much stuff's coming out, music-wise, concert-wise, big-budgeted movies, concerts, video games. Oh, my God. It's like over-sensory overload that if everybody is not pitching in, helping to push and market the movie, mm-hmm. then they're dead weight. You're dead. Gone. No, not to work with you again. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's the thing, too. I mean, it's like you have to take ownership of the production. You know, no matter what level it is that your involvement is, if you're going to put your name on it, you need to take ownership of it somehow, in some way, in whatever way that you can to make, uh, you know, to give it the best foot forward forever, wherever you want it to go. You know, so, yeah, you do have to learn in this modern, modern times, you do need to learn how to work things in a, in a social media forum, through emails, through video, whatever that, whatever the hell you're able to do 
you know, to, to be able to give a, give, give a shot for, for whatever, for whatever your, uh, your, your project is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it just only helps yourself, you know, yeah. cause you're getting out there, you know, you're in the movie. It's like, Hey, be proud. Push this fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take over the world for a little <laughs> bit until everybody's like, about the new Halloween movie <laughs> and whether that's going to suck or not. <laughs> uh-huh. so, uh, are you looking forward to the new Halloween movie, by the way? I couldn't care less. <laughs> I mean, I've seen so many Halloween movies that I don't care. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, not, well, I'm an honest guy. Christian, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, myself, uh, I, I, I don't really sweat the Halloween movies. I mean, for me, I mean, if, if we're talking about the Halloween movies, we're talking about John Carpenter movies. I mean, I, I was more impressed with the fog or the thing or Christine for that matter. You know, I, I thought those were just all around better films on every level, you know, and to me that, that, you know, I mean, sure, there's a fan base, there's a following for that series, but I mean, as far as films go, I thought uh, some of other John Carpenter movies far exceeded anything that was done in any of those uh, Halloween movies. Yeah, I mean, a so new Halloween, I think... A new one, it's like, do we do we need it? I, I mean, it, I'm not going to worry about it, but did we really need it? I mean, maybe it'll be good. I mean, it might be entertainment, but I think there's a lot of other, a lot of other stories out there that could uh, could make great films instead of just regurgitating more more chapters out of one franchises. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I think like you know, there's tons of really good movies back out there that could use a sequel, mm-hmm. not a remake, a sequel. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's like uh, Suspiria. Mm-hmm. It looks interesting. I do want to see it, you know, Halloween, I'll wait till it's red box, you know, but it's usually pretty quick. Um, and it's a dollar 50, uh, Suspiria remake. I don't know. I mean, I saw the trailer looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, how the heck can you remake Suspiria really? You know, it's just yeah, like, ah, you know, I mean, and the thing is, Suspiria remake, is disjointed. Yeah, it's it's a it's, you know it's pretty, it's colorful. Uh, there's times where you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh? What? You know? What? What? But you know, a, yeah, it's, it's not a movie you watch because of the plot. It's really a movie you watch just to, to look at, really, and, and then listen. It's a yeah. like the atmosphere of the movie. Right. I mean, me, uh, the the one that I love the best uh, out of Italy, mm-hmm. uh, it's demons. First one, mm-hmm. just because that's like more of what I look for in a movie to where it's almost like a roller coaster, mm-hmm. you know, to where it's like, boom, and it's up and down and around and around. The effects are just outrageous, you know, and it's like, you know, I know they spent a lot. They, that's the thing. They were spending a lot more money on movies back in those days because mm-hmm. you could make a lot of money back then, you know, and that's why there was this resurgence because you notice. In Italy, it's almost dead. You, when, when have you seen a big-budgeted film come out of Italy? Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> Nothing, yeah. You know, so uh, there's, you know... I mean, Dario Argento and Iggy Pop did a Indiegogo, got 125000 four years ago. Nothing. Yeah. 
nothing. So mm-hmm. basically they ripped shit. Tom Savini and Sergio, Sergio Clemenetti, Claudio Medi, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they did. A, they did a City of the Walking Dead Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Got like 120,000. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the same time, nothing. So, you know, and that's the only bad thing is that people have done the Indiegogo thing and people have gotten ripped off really heavily. So it's affected yeah. all of us from doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I, I, I use Indiegogo when we have a finished product. Yeah, and like basically with Solomon, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 because they know it's done. But still, I made everybody wait a year because we were still doing color correction and sound design and blah, blah, blah. But they knew it was done, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hurt us in a way because I'd love to do an Indiegogo with nothing except just a plan. Mm-hmm. And be like, hey, guys, boo, 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 And then they're throwing cash at me. And then I can make the movie. Uh, not anymore. Now it's like we got to have the movie finished. And mm-hmm. then we can do that to try to recoup the budget and uh we got close <laughs> but luckily because i do international sales we sold it to germany so far france is supposed to buy it for a decent amount i'm happy same thing with germany i'm happy with that uh and japan they're slow uh i was hoping to get this through arrow in the uk um mm-hmm. but there you know things are happening over there to where things are changing uh so We'll see. Next thing, I'm trying to get Solomon out to like everywhere, but mm-hmm. make sure I don't get ripped off. Because the the second batch, when you make a movie, mm-hmm. amazing. But then when you release the movie, that's when the sharks start taking bites, and that's when people get ripped off, mm-hmm. and that's when lawsuits happen. Because we're in the yeah. middle of a lawsuit right now. Oh, I won't really? tell you who. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, I won't tell you who, but we're doing it on behalf of a filmmaker that was on your podcast before. Okay. Hmm. Like, uh, doesn't that, see, see? Good, but it's, <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, see, that's it's, you got to pay attention to the dialogue because it comes back. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, so... Uh, so I'm really thrilled that uh, you guys have dug Solomon. Um, I really appreciate the help and the push. You know, uh, thank you guys for the review. I apologize that one of my actors bitched at you about it. <laughs> it's all right. Then <laughs> <laughs> they happened. It happened twice that week. Not not twice from the same movie, but uh, yeah, then you another had a bad actor. Beat nail as far yeah, as I blame Jason because he he wrote the re- both the reviews. I had nothing to do with them. But no, I don't want to throw him under the bus. I, you know, it's it, we, we have different <laughs> opinions. So yell at me about it. I don't know. Oh yeah, but so, and I felt that like uh, it should be honest. If you just say you love everything, what's the point of reviewing anything? Yeah, no, exactly. No, you got to say, you got to pull out the things because otherwise, how the fuck do we get better? Yeah, right? right yeah. yeah, never never yeah. be and, afraid and, of what you're going to say in a review. Never be afraid of <laughs> oh, that yeah. because like I said, after after we finish a project, after after any type of work is done, it after that, it, it's owned by the fans. It's owned by anybody. Yeah. Anybody that takes it after we've done our work, they can say whatever they want at, with absolute, uh, with total freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, and that's it's 
You just got to learn to bite your tongue. I mean, the best review for Bouquet of Guts and Gore came from uh, Arrow in the Head. Oh, oh my God. It was a, it was a one-star review. Oh. <laughs> and the guy's like, the guy's like, I've been to film school and I know what a movie is supposed to be like. And this is not a movie. This is an atrocity. What the hell is that? Oh, it was, it was awesome. And I shared that as much as I could. And I actually went back to share it again. The review was gone. I was like, oh, I should have took a screen grab just because I would have framed it and put it on my wall. And I guess because there's such a high turnover rate of free writers everywhere. Because I don't know many that are getting paid. (laughs) And the ones ones that I do know that are getting paid are getting fired. (laughs) So I'm I'm guessing he left, so they probably pulled all of his reviews. Because it yes. was glorious. Oh, oh, he called me so many names. It was awesome. So, so yeah. So I apologize. <laughs> you know, I, I told I told the actor, hey, what the hell? Even on the, I'm like, delete this thing, and don't do this again because we're gonna go into the microscope because we just put out an outrageous exorcism film that's independent. And, you know, we don't have Max von Sydow, and we don't have Bill Mosley. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have us. Okay, so stand by it. Yeah, I see. Yeah, he did like that. Yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, I read it as a positive. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just an actor, panties in a bunch. <laughs> and I think this this will be his first real thing that's going out that's going to get a lot of traction because I mean it's an exorcism film and everybody knows it's gory. How the hell, as a horror fan, can you not want to watch it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, really. That's it. You know, I mean, I yeah, yeah, you've got to get some thicker thing, you know, because I mean, uh, have you guys seen Shark Exorcist? I have seen the Shark I Exorcist. Have, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I can't say I'm a huge fan of Shark Exorcist, but I, I've seen it. I did think there was a good line, though. There, there was a couple of good lines in it. I think there could have been some better lines in it. But, uh, but yeah, I've seen yeah. Shark Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I, I haven't. I've, I just saw the trailer. <laughs> but I know Donald Farmer, and he's a great guy. Uh-huh. The poster's you know. great. The poster's great. That is a great poster. Right? Oh, the poster is great. The poster is great. Um, you know, I think the same guy, he did House Shark. <laughs> so that's out. Yeah. And I know Marcus Cook. I love too. Yeah. I can't remember uh, what it is. Our, our Go Shark. Dick Shark, too, I believe. Go Shark, Sand Shark. Oh, yeah, Dick Shark. Oh, that's. <laughs> it's, 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 it's. Oh, that's. Search for it. <laughs> but you would have to see. It's Bill Zabub. He's got a movie called Ant Farm Dickhole. <laughs> that makes me and, and, just the name Ant Farm Dickhole and I've been at a convention to where a guy was selling Ant Farm Dickhole across from me and everybody that comes by if they didn't buy anything from on earth I'm like okay if you don't buy anything from me you gotta go buy Ant Farm Dickhole and they're like Ant Farm Dickhole and they're like what the fuck and I'm like yeah exactly get yeah, Ant Farm Dickhole so I helped the guy sell at least three or four copies at that convention. <laughs> that was your good deed. Uh, 
it, it's, yeah, and I watched that one. I watched it. <laughs> Sounds like a like a really yeah. unpleasant form of sea monkeys. Oh yeah. Oh no, it is. <laughs> it is because they're bigger than sea monkeys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean that's. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, I mean, the state of the horror industry is really weirdly in flux now. <laughs> and I know, you know, am I right or am I right? You know, it's like, because there's no video stores anymore. Mm-hmm. Nobody's doing really uh, the VOD because everybody thought the VOD was going to be the savior. Right. There's only red box out there. There's no video stores left and nobody wants to go. I mean, I went, I'm out here in LA now and I went to some amazing video stores. They got some amazing stuff to rent. And I'm like, shit, I, if I rent this, I'm going to have to come back the next day and return it. And return it. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's and, kind of both, a statement of how lazy we've become. <laughs> It is no, and and I'm like I don't want to do that, and I love I used to love doing that, (laughs) and I'm like ah, thing ever. Well, it was the great, you know, you go. I I would travel an hour and a half to go to video stores just to see what they had, and they had some amazing stuff. Jungle Holocaust. I'm like a candle film I haven't seen. Yes, I'd rent it, and then I'd buy it from them. You know, because oh, no. you could buy the tapes for fifty bucks. Right. <laughs> I mean, so ridiculous. Nowadays, case, you know, that's all you really. Oh want. yeah, no. I mean, I had I I had one of the bigger bootleg operations here back in nineteen ninety seven. Video Mayhem of Florida, <laughs> and I would trade tapes with uh, uh, Sean Lewis, who used to run Blackest Heart Media which is bootleg, but he switched it to Ebon Press to where he does comic books now and Rotten oh, Cotton. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're like the old school guard, <laughs> the, the independent old school guard. And Chaz Ballon, we were friends with, and he used to bootleg stuff. And he was the guy reviewing the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you I know, but back then. Maniac, uh, comics, by the way. Yeah, go on, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's. And uh, yeah, I was supposed to sell him the brain damage rights to do comic books. Oh, sweet! I would love to see. (sighs) Didn't happen, but you know, but but keep that in mind because you know future stuff. I'd be totally geeked for that. Yeah, yeah. You see, if you read between my lines. (laughs) <laughs> and you go back and listen to this podcast again, you're going to be like, uh, oh, shit, Byro's doing that? Oh, he, that's <laughs> what he meant there? That's, you know, it's the same thing just like my movies, you know? I was just going to say uh, that. But it's repute, repute, all repute these little, Yeah, yep, more, little right. subtleties you got to pick up on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's, that, that's, you know, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, so the industry is sort of in the toilet, and and it's like, uh, you know, you really got to make something really damn good to stand out and to get people hyped. Right. And, you know, and as you notice, luckily we hit that with the Song of Solomon. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. we've been doing that with the guinea pigs, too, you know, because we got our fan base. Mm-hmm. But the fan base is growing now, you know, because we're picking up. Mm-hmm. We're, we're With Unearth, we're putting out a bunch of uh, Japanese horror movies now. We haven't made the announcements yet, 
I mean, we have like 13 new films we haven't announced yet. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's sweet. All up and down the, the budget, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, some will be Redbox worthy. Some will be Showtime worthy. You know, and others, oh, yeah, no, actually, we're getting our hands on a couple of movies I can't even put into the distribution retail channels. Mm-hmm. It's going to be called, we're starting up a new label called Too Extreme for Mainstream. You can only buy them from us. Mm-hmm. I'm loving I like that, that already. Yeah, yeah, just just the thought of that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, because we've we we do the guinea pig movies, we do the you know the, the vomit gore movies, aftermath. You know, we've put out some really crazy stuff. So uh, so yeah, so if I say this is too extreme for mainstream, yeah, it should perk some ears up. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, wait, what? What? No, there was there was actually a fisting video in, as an extra in one of his box sets, and that's illegal in the U.S. Uh-huh. So what the hell is he got? What the hell are they doing? You know, what the hell are they putting out? <laughs> so it's it's going to be a fun year to see how everything goes. Um, I really appreciate you guys helping, pushing, yeah. promoting. Uh, cool. It means the world world to us, you know. Well, good. We're independent guys, and I also don't know how long your podcast lasts. <laughs> no, forever, but, but it's a cool time to wrap it up. But I appreciate oh, you guys yeah. coming on, and it would be fun to have you guys back anytime. You can come on talk about stuff from Unearth. Yeah, Gene can come you on talk know. about uh, if he's got something cool coming up. Whatever you guys want. Oh, Gene's got yeah, all sorts of. He's, board, he's doing concerts. Yeah, he's he's doing concerts. He's, you know, yeah, he's probably he working on some new albums some and stuff. Oh, well, yeah, that's the thing. It was impressive, though. Just really, really powerful performance. Definitely want to see more from him. Thanks a lot. Oh, yeah, no. He's got got the look, too. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah, because I've been telling Gene for the past couple years, if I can ever get him into a Nazi uniform. Mm. (laughs) For a movie or just, like, for a week? (laughs) For a movie! No, not just for fun. For a movie. Come on. We, me, me and Gene already figured out something for the future. Uh-huh. Need a bigger budget, but we'll see what happens. Cause, cause things are now starting to swarm around us. So that's a good thing. Very cool. Another one to say, uh, Perdition Temple, uh, the band he's part of is, uh, is our uh, music of the month. So, uh, all month we're uh, showcasing, uh, his tunes. Oh, too cool. Man. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the support with that too, man. That's, that's, uh, that's really great, man. Thanks for uh, doing it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll let uh, you guys we'll... go. Been an awesome to talk to you guys. Yeah, but we'll. Do... Okay, man. Oh, uh, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having, we'll having talk us soon. on. And you guys all have a good night. Thanks we'll you do. too. And check out the movie. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Songs, song, the song of Solomon, which I didn't know was a real thing, by the way. Uh, I had to look. I, I googled it. What you oh, did? I don't know about yeah, I don't know about Christianity or religion. So uh, maybe you've converted me. I'm I'm gonna start studying religion all because this song is Oh well. yeah, next thing you know, you're reading the Bible and you're gonna be like, damn it, Byro. <laughs> I'm gonna learn Latin now, thanks to you. <laughs> I am gonna learn Latin. They used to teach Latin uh, in my junior high. I don't think they do anymore at the school there, but Yeah, no, now they say it's a dead language, but you know. <laughs> Okay, guys, thank you so much. Thanks. Have a great night. We'll talk soon.
Aka Bloody Bill out here in West Texas, and you're listening to 
WithoutYourHead on WithoutYourHead.com. And you know, I know something about Without Your Heads because that's what we do on Circus of the Dead. We make love to heads. So uh, if you want to be Without Your Head, you should tune in and listen. All right, and we're back here at the Station of Decapitation. And I am still Nasty Neil. And I remain terrible, Troy. Yes. And a huge thanks to the guys uh, from uh, the Song of Solomon, Stephen Byro. The Byro Biro. I can't remember. And I think he was Biro. Biro. And uh, Gene Palubicki. Yeah, it, was, uh, it was really cool to talk to both of them. Oh, yeah. Super nice guys. Uh, yeah. I wish them nothing but the best in the future. Yeah. And I'm in, I'm in, I feel very bad because I've not seen the other American guinea pig movies. But uh, I'm going to go back and I need to check them out because I, I really enjoyed the Song of Solomon. I got to admit, before they were talking about it tonight, I didn't know it even like existed. Ah. That the series was even a thing and that it started, what What did he say, in Japan? Uh, well, well, yeah, see, the, the, the Japanese movies are, are guinea, the guinea pig series. Right, and right. And then, then he started the American guinea pig series. Okay. And Did you ever I do see know, any of the Japanese ones? I've just seen clips of it. I've never seen it, but the idea was it real, like you said, it's like a snuff movie, but it's not uh-huh. real. But oh, it's like okay. a, so it's like a, you know, movie, but it's just a snuff film. It's about just killing people, killing, you know, mm-hmm. there's no story. I don't believe there's any story in the, in the first, uh, guinea pig movie. I think it's just, just murder. <laughs> oh, I see. So, yeah. So, uh, the thing is, I, I'll be honest, that doesn't interest me. Just watch a movie about murder. But uh, this movie was, was very cool. And uh, I'm interested in what his other movies are like. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely check out some more. Yeah. And the effects are really awesome. Yeah, they are. And I'll give uh, um, to Jessica. Was she the. Yeah, the... Jessica Cameron. Yep. She. Um, I'll give her props for just. Spitting out and then re-eating all those like internal organs over and over and over again. Yeah, that was that. Was that. And uh, the thing in the being practical effects, he really adds it because, like, if that was done with CG, like you would think, oh, it's gross. But then thinking, oh like, yeah, you wouldn't really buy into this. it though. Yeah, she had to do that. That's pretty uh, pretty hard. Yeah, cool. and if I felt uncomfortable, imagine how she felt. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I really dug it. It was it was good, and I really liked it a lot more watching the second time. I'm gonna have to watch it a second time now. Yeah, it's it's weird because a lot of the stuff plays out. Uh, you mm-hmm. can see where it's going, and then already you if you already know the ending, um, the lead up to it makes more sense. Oh, okay. There's a lot of like a lot of like you said the dialogue and stuff that happens. It it all comes together. It's a, a really well made movie. I really dug all it. Right. That's I, awesome. I I think so. I'd have to really think about it, but I know that and Terrifier for this year are uh, two yep. of my favorite, uh, especially independent movies. They're just the movies. I really dug both of them. Oh, yeah. No matter, like, you know, if we saw them in the theater or what it was. Yeah. Still definitely movies that we'd enjoy. Yeah, we got to bring, I think we should bring back our award show this year. I know we, we missed it last year. It, I think it needs to be an annual thing. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly, boss. We, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Last year was a bad time around that time. There was a oh, lot of yeah. uh, a lot of stuff going on. But now's a lot better. It's a lot smoother, a lot less stress. So That's true. And you back. can't put a price tag on like being stress free. You really can't. Mm-hmm. 
Agreed. And I still have the Karloff um, yeah, mold, the mold, so I can I can crank out our our awards, boss. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say uh, both, you know, awful news, and there is some nice news that came out of this. But uh, our friend, uh, horror icon John Dugan, grandpa of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, has mm-hmm. uh, has uh, can- uh, oral cancer. And that's awful, devastating things. Oh, God. Uh, he had surgery to remove it. It was more than they thought. And they've had treatment and surgery. He's uh, he's not in pain right now, so that's good. And, um, and and so neither him or his wife went asked for help. But um, when he's out of work and then she has to take time off of work to, uh, you know, to be oh, with him. Yeah, so. to watch him, right? right. Yeah, the, the bills set up. And so... Um, so they put up a GoFundMe, and in just three days, uh, they raised over eight thousand dollars from the horror community, primarily from the horror community. And uh, oh, that's I think that's awesome. a, yeah, that's a, that's amazing. So uh, there's a link right on our website. Uh, I have one on uh, on the Facebook page. I'm sure Troy's shared it. So yep. it's um, easy to find if uh, if you'd like if you can donate, and if you can't donate, uh, sharing it helps because you know that brings it uh, attention to other people. Oh yeah, absolutely, and you know, just and it's not one of those things where you don't have to give, you know, if you don't have a thousand dollars in disposable income, mm-hmm. you know, you can give like ten bucks or whatever you yeah. have. Yeah, a lot of people, have, you know, donated between like five and twenty dollars, and and that yep. adds up over time. Oh, absolutely, and it's you know, it's just a good thing to do. I mean, John's just one of the sweetest guys you could ever meet, and like. You know, his wife and everything, just, you know, really good people. And it's always good to help people out. Mm-hmm. Agreed. He's, uh, I remember meeting him. It was our first, it was our first uh, horror convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, um, I forget the year, but it was the first day, whatever year the first days of the dead one. I would say 2011. Okay. And uh, uh, right away we hit it off with him, and uh, did the interview, and just a really fun guy. And it, we knew him for for like I think a year or so. We several conventions before he realized we were brothers. I know, and I thought that was the coolest thing because we kind of got to hang out and talk with him separately, and then like he pieced it together, and he's like, "Wait a minute, you know that guy? Wow." That guy's a super nice guy. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's my little brother, man. You know? And that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Very cool. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we wish John the best. One of our oh, favorite people. Doubt. You know, not just the guest on the show and stuff, but uh, 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 just a great guy. Yep, just an all-around, just super nice dude. I would say we're friendly with a lot of people from the from the conventions and stuff, but he's someone I would consider an actual friend. Yep, absolutely. You know, we've we've gone out with him and hung out with him and just all around round good guy. Yeah. So uh, very cool here, Troy. Well, a couple things other. Meg is opening this weekend, and I have to admit this. I've seen a lot of people who are hating on this movie. Oh, and really? I try- I probably won't like it because I don't really like any shark movies but Jaws. But the trailers, <laughs> the trailers make me want to see it. It looks like a fun movie, and I want to see it. Oh yeah, yep, me too. Um, and I'm not even like a, a Jason Statham guy. 
I, I don't I even like Jason Statham. Oh, okay, that's good. Uh, he mumbles a little too much for me. But well, he's right, a guy that's weird. He'll be in like just like super low budget, like real crappy action movies, and then every once in a while he pops up in this big dry movie. Oh yeah, he'll be in like these big Hollywood flicks, and then you're right, just in these like nowhere movies. Yeah, I'm just reading here. This is this is uh sad, but uh it'll be good news when the Blu-ray comes out, I assume. The Meg cut a number of horrifying, disgusting, and bloody deaths. <laughs> oh, they cut them P-P-P-P- from the movie. Yeah. Oh man. Only we complain about like, you know, people cutting gross scenes from a movie, I guess. Yeah. I I did hear uh, I know um Michael Epstein, he said that uh, he thought it was boring and needed more of the shark stuff, so maybe this is why. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might make sense then. Man, that's sad. If you're going to go see a shark movie, you want to see the shark eating people. Oh, hell yeah. If you don't, why bother then? Exactly. Unless you have amazing actors in a story like Jaws. Which you probably don't. You're probably just making a, a dumb shark movie. Like, so just make a dumb shark movie. Exactly. And enjoy it. Like, have fun with it. Go crazy yeah. with it. Uh-huh. And even... In, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll wait till we're done with the Meg. And then remind me to go back to this point. All right. Well, I think we're done with the Meg. What, what's going on here? Um, I don't know if you've watched any of them. But there's a new show on um, on Netflix. And it's uh, Hollywood Weapons. I have not. Well, it's this old guy. Well, he's not really an old guy, but he's an old um, uh, Green Beret, I think. And so he sees stuff happening in movies, and he's like, geez, I don't know. I don't know if that would really work, or I'd really like to test that out, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So he, what he's done is he's taken a bunch of stuff from movies and TV. And mm-hmm. he actually tries them out and sees if they'll really work. So I, I think the first one was like, um, oh, uh, Die Hard. So there's a scene where he shoots a guy from underneath the table. Mm-hmm. And so he actually tests it out. He gets a Glock or whatever the guy had and shoots at the table and sees if he could actually kill somebody through a table. And then there's another scene where he goes swinging down on a uh, on a um, I think it's a fire hose, and he shoots through like the glass and smashes through the glass. And um, so he tests out all these different things. He even he even does the one from Star Trek where uh, Kirk's fighting the Gorn, and he mm-hmm. makes the cannon. Mm-hmm. And then uh, shoots it, and it didn't really work. Don't not to spoil the show if you ever end up watching it, but uh-huh. it, be prepared to be disappointed by that one. But the um, the one he does is from Jaws. They have one from Jaws, and so they they get this giant like thirty um, foot like uh, shark that they make, mm-hmm. and they put an air tank in its mouth. And he goes back like 100 yards or whatever it is and shoots it from that distance. And mm-hmm. so it takes him a couple times to actually hit it. But I guess he was like, you know, some kind of crazy marksman. So he actually does hit it. 
Mm-hmm. And I was very disappointed because it doesn't explode. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it just hisses and the shark spins in like a circle because the, the air hisses out of the big tank. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't blow up. He said you need a bunch of heat and like some kind of like explosive cap to actually make it explode. Mm-hmm. Like so if it had a big fire next to it, maybe it would explode. But a bullet just makes it hiss and spin around in a circle, which isn't nearly as impressive, mm-hmm. you know, because like when when uh, when the shark has the air tank in its mouth and he shoots it, it's pretty damn impressive. But no, in real yeah. life, that doesn't work. That's it just releases the air and it just spins around. Uh, that's a shame. I know, I know, but it's a really good show. So check out the show if you get a chance to. It's it's Hollywood Weapons, and he tests out a bunch of different things. And some of them actually work. Some of the, the crazy far-fetched um, things that you, you see in a movie or on TV can actually work, but not all of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pretty wild. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a fun show, though. I'll have to check that out. It is. I think you'd enjoy it. And he kind of like gets into character. He... He um he does one of like James Bond and he puts like uh, machine guns on top of a car and then drives around like shooting things to see if that would really work. That's mm-hmm. pretty entertaining. And even tries yeah. cutting a bullet bullet with a katana from uh, one of those awful Wolverine movies. <laughs> I guess Ryan Reynolds does that in uh, one of the Wolverine movies. Uh huh. I can't remember, but yeah, uh, the only one I thought was well, I actually honestly never watched most. Of the, I never. The only one I saw was Logan, and I did like it. I did too. I, I got to admit, and I think yeah. that that might be the only one out of all those terrible X Men movies that I've enjoyed. Uh, I like the first one. All right, I don't think it's great or nothing, but. Uh, the first one, really, it's it's just uh, Professor X and uh, Magneto are good. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm agree. not going to go wrong with the actors. So. Yep. So, you Jay know what? Probably is just always good. with old actors. Right, they make you get old, old British act- actors uh, and you're good to go. Uh, they make Logan old and feeble in that one and he's cool. So. Yeah, that's true. You're right. But he swears a lot. So. Yes, he does. They love the that cool but at least I made made sense in that one anyway yeah it did, it did. uh so i just read here on uh air on the which we talked about earlier uh there's an eight-part war of the world series coming that's a, it's a uh as they say a contemporary reimagining Ooh, tell me more chief that sounds well, uh, interesting to me this doesn't have a lot here this says uh astronomers detect a transmission from another galaxy definitive proof of intelligent extraterrestrial life Earth's population waits for further contact with bated breath, but does not have to wait long. Within days, mankind is all but wiped out. Just pockets of humanity are left in an eerily deserted world. As alien ships appear in the sky, the survivors ask a burning question. Who are these attackers, and why are they hell-bent on a destruction? And then it goes on to say, In many ways, H.G. Wells' novels a cautionary tale of racial superiority and ethnic conflict. It is these themes that I wanted to explore more fully in my modern reimagining. I look forward to bringing our bold, fresh, and relatable version 
inspired by this much loved story to a new audience. Hmm. All right, I'm kind of sold, Neil. I, I kind of like that thought. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, Howard Overman is uh, is uh, wrote it and uh, is creating it. Hmm. Has he done anything else, or is this like his first? Uh, well, it does not say here. Uh, produced by Urban Mist Films, but it doesn't say what uh, Howard Overman has done besides this. But I would think probably other things. Yeah, I would think so. <clears throat> Let's see. Here, we'll look him up. <clears throat> he did the Misfits, the TV show. He wrote Future it. Man. A lot of TV shows. Future Man, Crazy Head, Atlantis, Misfits, Merlin. Uh, see, I actually like Merlin. Oh, really? Yeah. I've not heard of it. Oh, I, maybe there's more than one Merlin then. No, it's probably it. I don't think oh, there's okay. more Merlin TV show. I just not. I've just not heard this of it. This was like the BBC one. Ah. Hmm. Interesting. But then I think there was also a Merlin that was like a mini series that um, mm. it had. Uh, oh my God, Sam Neill, the guy from uh, Jurassic Park, and a lot of right. really good stuff. Yeah. I think he's Merlin in in like the made for TV one. Uh-huh. But I don't know which Merlin it is. If it's the one where it's the BBC and Merlin's like a young dude, or if it's uh, the Sam Neill one. No, uh, the uh, Merlin's Colin Morgan looks like a young kid, so it must have been the BBC one. Oh, okay, that one I really enjoyed. Um, uh-huh. What's his name? Uh, John Hurt was the dragon. Yeah, he's the voice of the dragon. Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, and the dragon's of- really CG and kind of goofy looking, but right. it's John Hurt, so you kind of forgive it. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I'm seeing pictures now, yeah, CG Dragon. But, uh, I mean, that's the yeah. world we live in. <laughs> yep, the dragon's crap, I will admit that. But the um, the stories are always pretty good. And like, and Merlin and Arthur are both pretty, like, young dudes. So, And Merlin's got to keep his magical powers hidden. Because I guess in that world where uh, Arthur's father, um, Modred, I mm-hmm. think he's he's the king, and so he all magicians are like illegal, so you can't let it be known that you. Can... Mm. So you gotta let everybody know, Troy, that uh, we'll be going to this, and uh, you can too out there. It's, a, it's a fathom events uh, one day only, believe next Ooh. Tuesday, and that is Blood Fest. This movie looks like a ton of fun to me, Neil. I can't wait for this one. Yeah, I know it's going to be at um, Fright Fest, but I don't know, because we're not going to be able to see all the movies. So Tuesday, right. uh, Troy and I are going to go see this, and it, it, look, it sounds like a fun horror movie. I'm very uh, excited about seeing it. Mm-hmm. Me too, Chief. I, um, it's got the, the big kid from uh, <clears throat> Spider-Man Homecoming. I think he's the only actor I know in the entire movie. Jacob Babylon. And it's got a little bit of that, like, Cabin in the Woods vibe, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. where they kind of, they're aware of what's going on, and it's kind of like, um, you've got to keep with, like, the uh, the horror movie vibe to stay alive. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I think it, it's got the potential to be really, really cool. Yeah, I do too. The, um, uh, I also saw, so we're going to see that Tuesday. It's a Fathom event. So you guys should always keep an eye on the Fathom events because they have a lot of cool stuff going on. You know, it's they like do. one night theater, one night only, and it's in a bunch of theaters, and they usually add some other stuff to it. I'm I'm hoping that they do well with their stuff because they, they've presented, like, they do the Studio Ghibli, so if you're into, like, the Japanese animation stuff, you know, they, they re-release, like, six or seven Ghibli movies every year, uh-huh. and they'll, they'll put them in, like, you know, theaters so you can go see... Uh, Princess Mononoke or um, Spirited Away or something. Mm-hmm. And then we saw that um, that wrestling documentary, 350 Days or 360 Days. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was great. I, I really loved that one, too. And I think they also do... Um, yeah, oh, the British play ones, the... Uh, it's something live, the uh, Royal Theater Live or something like that. Mm-hmm. Remember when we saw like Frankenstein, they had done that. So they, they put some really good stuff, like give them some support. I think. Yeah, it's a, um, and I know they did a Bigfoot movie that we talked about on the show. I interviewed the director, that was cool. Oh, and we did right. the wrestling thing, and uh, that's how they did the. Um, 31 to the Rob Zombie movie. Oh, okay. Yep. You're right. So we're hoping that they have, you know, good luck in the future and stuff because I think they do some really, really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, Bloodfest. Bloodfest. Yeah. Not Blood Feast. Fun time. Blood well, when I was looking it up, that's what popped up originally was Blood Feast. I'm like, no, no, this is a different movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks cool. like a giant rave and then like all things go to hell and actual monsters start popping up and there's chainsaw chainsaw wielding pig masked lunatics chopping uh, people up. And- which is always good. That's what I looked for. Yeah. Yeah. And then zombies and vampires and who knows what else. So that that's what kind of made me think of uh, Cabin in the Woods, though. Mm-hmm. With like a lot of the actual like monsters making the scene. Yeah. 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 I saw um, Summer of 84 is playing this weekend in Somerville Theater. I was thinking about going, but that, we actually already have uh, free tickets. In Fright Fest, so we're gonna wait. I think I should see oh, okay. it. Okay, that's another uh, one that's gonna be a Fright Fest. Yeah, and I was nice. I was very surprised that it's even playing, you know, locally. So that's very cool. Yeah, and I saw Mandy. Mandy's gonna be playing Midnight's at uh, at the Coolidge Theater in Brookline. You're gonna have to tell me more about that one, Neil. I'm not familiar. Really? With yeah. It looks awesome. It's uh it's a new uh, Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was the title of it. All right. Yeah, it's like the very good weird weird Satanist movie. It looks insane. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that movie too. Yeah, I think it'll be the you know the first movie with Nicolas Cage. And I, that, well, I think it's the first one I wanted to see in a long time. Anyway, 
I can't that's say true. it's the first good one because I don't know. It might be awful, but it looks good. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, okay. because you could tell, like, right from the get-go that, like, um, the Wicker Man remake was probably wasn't going to be such a good movie. Oh, man, that was bad. That was, that that was so awful. Bad. Such an amazing, the first movie's amazing, so original, so weird. Nothing mm-hmm. really else like it. And then that sequel, I mean, the remake was just the pits. Oh, yeah. Such a bad movie. Yeah. Such like, you know, just, I, I don't know who could like that movie. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some idiot out there that'll be like, it's been 18 years since the release of the remake of uh, The Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. Who remembers this? Oh, you remember this? Your apple. childhood was great. <laughs> I, always hate, I hate that line, too. It's like, just look, everyone that's ever been alive had stuff that came out when they were a kid. So, like, Everyone had a light. Light bright came out. If you were in a certain age group, this came out, and most likely you remember it, unless you're, yeah. you know, a, you know, just a moron, or, or you were like locked up. So I guess yeah. in a way, like if you were locked up in a prison as a child, you probably didn't have a great child. All of your parents were like, you know, they didn't have two nickels to rub together. Right. Well, it doesn't even say if you had. It says if you remember it. Oh yeah, that's true. If you remember, so a lot it, then of people, right? Yeah. yeah. So what? Let's okay, like you said, light bright or something. Yeah, let's say you're you're like you said, you had no money. Your parents were desolate. Maybe they were drug addicts, or maybe they just didn't have money, so they couldn't buy. Okay, for whatever reason, yes, for whatever reason, they couldn't or just didn't want to buy <laughs> this. Yep. But you remember it. So therefore, your childhood was great. Well, I beg to differ there because <laughs> if I remember something really cool, but for for I didn't have it, or none of my friends had that, you know, maybe my friend didn't share. That doesn't make my childhood awesome. That's true. And childhood really bad. You were like, yeah. "Fuck! Wish I had a light bright." And on top of that, let's say you let's say your parents did buy you a light bright, but let's say. They bought you light brights and, and toys because they used to molest you. And then they felt bad. They're like, well, here, here, little Billy. I know, you know, we, we passed you around the neighborhood last night. Yeah. But here's a light bright. <laughs> oh, great. My childhood's awesome. No, it wasn't. It was pretty fucking bad. That's true. Forget about Uncle Julius, like, you know, making it hurt when you pee. Because, you know, you had a light bright. So it made it all better. So I hate to, uh, me- memes in general are bad. I think like so, <laughs> memes so are kind of like the devil's playground. You're right. Yeah, no one reads newspapers anymore. No one reads newspapers no. anymore. No, maybe some like old man, old man down the street or something. But for the most part, no one reads it. And Uncle pe- Julius people, might. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think I think even people get their news from like. Comedy shows, that's like kind of more the norm. Than like, <laughs> yep. Like CNN or something. It's like, oh, well, I watch, you know, um, Bill Maher or I watch uh, The Daily Show, something like that. And even then, I think starting to go, I think, I think a lot of the people online, like young people online, I think they get most of their news from memes. Yeah, I think you might be right. And, and it's, and, you know, and as the future goes on, that will be that will be the news. Everyone will just get their news from memes. 
You know, some guy could just be like a kid. <laughs> Every generation will be dumbed shit. down a little more. Yeah, they could just t- you could post some total bullshit on a picture, and you put it out there, and people just think it's real. People some see- clown's gonna buy it. Exactly. They see a thing. They say, "Oh shit, this fish doesn't have bones. It doesn't have skin." <laughs> It's created in the lab. It's on this photo, even though the, the photo had shows a picture of the fish with skin on it. But, yep. oh, this must be totally true. Uh, then you even tell them that's not true. They say, oh, yeah, no, it's true. Like, well, here's proof that's not true. Well, nope, some of it might not be, but this part's true. <laughs> you can show people proof, and they still say, oh, no, it's true. Like gay frogs? Exactly. Uh, like uh, facts aren't opinions. It's not right. like if you say here, this is a fact, an un uh, a proven fact. You can't say no. I don't. I don't. No, it's not true. <laughs> I don't we just have different opinions. No, it's not. You can have different opinions about if vanilla ice cream is better than chocolate, but yeah. you can't have. A, you can't say vanilla ice cream doesn't exist. <laughs> Good point. That's an excellent point. And you can't, you can't, I hate this too. People out there, this is, we're no longer talking about a horror thought, but you can't disprove something. You can't, when people say like, like Alex Jones were talking about, dis, you know, prove them wrong. Prove that, you know, the frogs aren't gay. Prove that, you know, pizza, what, all this bullshit. You can't <laughs> prove something doesn't exist. You just can't do it. Prove to me unicorns don't exist. You can't yep. do it. The reason why we don't know people still talk about Bigfoot because you can't prove he doesn't exist. You have to prove it exists, not prove it doesn't exist. Yeah, you can come up with any insane like statement. Like I always think about when my when my nephew was terrified by. All right. Let me give you a little preface on this one. He didn't want to give up his pacifier. He really liked his pacifier. So his preschool teacher told him that when you reach a certain age, the pacifier owl comes and takes your pacifiers away. And he was fucking horrified. He would stay up all night crying, thinking that the pacifier owl was going to come to the window and, like, just smash in and steal all of his pacifiers. And so in his mind, that shit was real. It didn't really exist, or at least I don't believe it did. And I can't prove that it doesn't exist. But Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that his kindergarten teacher or preschool teacher just kind of told him this to make it easier to give up his pacifier but it had the complete reverse effect it was you know he was terrified that this creature was going to show up and and take his pacifiers away Mm -hmm. so he lived exactly that yeah and there's no way to prove that that's not real right right you can tell him no there is no pacifier uh, owl uh, but he doesn't know that. But there's no. But that doesn't mean it's real either. Right. Right. Hopefully, it isn't real. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's that is the point. So don't believe total bullshit. Is what I'm saying. Right. If things sound like they're nonsense, then they probably are nonsense. 
Uh-huh. Uh. All right. Well, I think that's about it for tonight. What do you think? I think so. I think we've done like a public service announcement type thing with uh, uh if somebody tells you something that sounds like it's just complete bullshit, then it probably right. is. Exactly. Oh god, it gets me so angry. <laughs> so uh so we'll come and see that movie next week, Neil. We'll and see we that movie next week on Thursday exactly. and that should be fun. Yeah. Hopefully it won't suck. Like I, right. I know is it a no? I don't think it's like a big Hollywood movie because it's happening. No, 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 it's with the little family. Really. So yeah, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, not on the live show, but I will be recording an interview uh, midweek sometime. Actually, the beginning of the next week with uh, Reese Wakefield, who was um, in the first, not the first Purge, which was the last movie, but the original movie, The Purge, and oh, nice. uh, he's he's like the leader of the uh, the bad guys who takes the mask off. Oh, okay. I remember that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's got a big following online because people are into him. But not only does he that, though, I mean, even that would be cool. But he's also in the upcoming third season of True Detective, which is pretty awesome. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. And he's uh, in a new movie, which we'll be uh, talking about. uh, So we'll be talking about all kinds of stuff. Oh, I'm looking forward to that then, Chief. Yeah, he's in The Grandson with uh, the Headless Critic. Jason Mitten gave four out of five Headless Critics to. Nice. It's a rare movie that Jason gives the four uh, Headless Critics. Yeah. So it's good. And, and on the live show, which will be our li- last live show possibly for the month because uh, I'll be in England and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll be the last uh, live show of the month. Uh, we're going to have, uh, I'm not sure exactly who, I believe. Todd Sheets will be on the director and possibly, I won't say who in case they don't come on, but possibly some um, cast members of Clown NATO. Clown NATO? Tell me more. Clown NATO, which is uh, they right now they have a, a campaign to, to get the, some funding to get this made. So we're going to talk all about Clown NATO. Here's, uh, here's the write-up. Clownado, a one-of-a-kind thrill ride into the depths of depravity and gore. Believe it or not, it is a horror film noir with crazed killer clowns on a rampage from hell. Out for revenge, and only blood can quench their savage desire for destruction. All right, I'm down with that. That's not all. Be ready for one twisted and scary adventure. Don't judge a book by its cover. Troy and everyone out there without <laughs> headlands. Our goal with Clown NATO is to make a damn good, scary, and splatter-filled, nonstop roller coaster ride of a horror movie. Nice. Shot in a neo-noir style. All right. I'm I'm down with this stuff, dude. It's something new. Something fresh and something original and unique. But also, I like it. But also familiar. Ooh. Using only practical special makeup effects, old school styled visual effects, Clownado has a vibe of classic horror movies we all love. All right, I'm, I'm sold. So if you took some John Carpenter, a bit of Lucio Fulci, Evil Dead and Dead Alive, buckets of gore, 
noir style and supernatural clowns, and you threw them into a swirling storm of insanity, that would be Clownado. Nice. Okay. I like it. So, while a title like Clownado could be either a really good party movie or a really bad cheese fest, we ask (laughs) you to keep an open mind and give us a shot. Give us a chance. I do. I, I will give them a chance. Uh, one thing we promise is you will be entertained. I'm we liking put, it, dude. We will pour our hearts and souls into it. And it will be made with real passion. We will make sure it's a stylish movie. With some good scares, some creepy scenes, and some outrageous splatter. <laughs> All right, I'm. I'm like I said, I am definitely sold. Well, for the common people out there, not sold. There's more. For sure, there are elements of the film that go wildly over the top. But with a title like this, you have a lot to live up to. We appreciate your support for the film, and we cannot wait to share adventure with you while we create this crazy movie, Cloud NATO. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm sold. I think so. Pretty good. I think I should get hired to 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 read these. I think you should absolutely, because every time you like, you added a little more. I was like, man, I'm I'm so into this. Yeah. Now I'm just blown up. Now it's like I gotta go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So that'll be next week live on the show. And then uh, I'll be heading off to London, to England, overseas. It's only 13 days away. It seems crazy. I've never been out of the country. Never been over the over the oceans. Oh, you're, you're going to have a blast, Chief. Mm-hmm. I think the flight's Jason only... Jason will have a great time. Yeah. I think the flight's only about the same as going to uh, California. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was like, what, like four hours or five hours? I think six. Well, six hours. But uh, hopefully they'll just fly real fast and get this. Get <laughs> and you're flying some like crazy airline, like Iceland Air or Norwegian right? Air. Norwegian Air. Yeah, which are the, the people that do Norwegian Airline uh, that do the um, Norwegian uh, cruise? Oh, that's pretty cool then. Yeah, I think they only fly out of a few places, and and luckily one of them is Boston. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Have a good time. So anyone out there, uh, if you've been on the show, if you've been a guest, or you listen to the show, or you don't even listen to the show, and you just say, hey, these guys look cool, send me a message, and uh, we'd love to meet you while we're in England. Mm. Yeah, if we have any of the UK people, or if you're just like in Europe in general, and yeah. it's easier for you to get to, to London than it is to exactly. the States. Right. Be good you know, time. if you're in Portugal or something, you're like, man, I like that crazy nasty Neil. Exactly. I like that Jason Minton. I like his yeah. review. Exactly. I like to meet them and buy them a drink. Right. Bring us uh, gifts. So I'm going to bring them some sands from Portugal. There we go. Buy them, buy them a drink at the local pub in London. Exactly. So do that, and if you have any recommendations for us to see, us stuff for us to do, places for me to, well, all of us to eat, not just me, places for us to eat, let us know. We're up for uh, recommendations. 
We don't know. Absolutely. We've never been to place. Yep. All right. I've given you a few. Like, you know, definitely you guys have to go to the Tower of London. Mm-hmm. I'll be disappointed if you don't. Mm-hmm. Just to see the Raven Master. It's pretty cool. Check them out and tell them one day I will be the Raven Master there. I will. And Madame Tussauds and a few other places that I've told you about. And I want yeah. lots of photos. Oh, yeah. Photos, videos. Yes. You name it. All that good shit. Exactly. All right, Troy. I had a good time here. This is Nasty Neil. As did I. And this is Terrible Troy. And this was without your head. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.